Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm here tonight with uh, Eric Cross of, of Fantrax and um, Five Tool uh, Podcast. Yeah, Five Tool Podcast, yeah. And then you have another podcast. Yep, Fantrax Prospect Toolshed with Chris Clegg. Awesome. I was I was listening to you the other day, and actually, um, people were, were, and just so you know, Mike Govier is coming on soon, so we're expecting him, but he's obviously got priorities and better things to do. He's recording with Justin Mason. And everyone says uh, Michael Govier has the voice, has the best voice in the podcast world, along with like Brian Seymour and DVR. But you know what? I was listening to you the other day. Um, Eric, you've got an underrated good podcast voice. Like, Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, Govier, I think I've said in the past, I want Michael Govier to narrate my life. Just follow me around, just narrate <laughs> my entire life. <laughs> and um, we also have uh, Daniel. He's a commissioner of a, a several of my dynasty leagues. And um, we, how did we even meet Daniel? Uh, uh, Rotor World. Yeah, we're on Rotor World. And we've got, we have like family that live right next to each other. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Rotor World because I, I wasn't advertising on Twitter. Okay, know, yeah. For, for the leagues and okay, stuff. Yeah. No. So yeah, we jumped in a couple of dynasty leagues. He's a commissioner and um, we've uh, been, uh, we've been hitting each other up on Twitter and we've been talking to a lot of other people. Um, actually, Curlin's in, I think Curlin's in our dynasty league too. Yeah, he is. So he's the guy. He's the guy who should have finished first, and then has like ten of the top fifty prospects with like Luciano <laughs> and Kalenic, of course. And yeah, so Eric, you're you can find Eric on Twitter. I think it's Eric Cross eight or zero eight. Zero four. Zero four. You're close. <laughs> so Daniel, oh, yeah. you're actually you actually live you're from Canada, so we're actually we actually never met before that. It was just coincidental. And you're from around Toronto, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you're out in Israel right now. So yeah, so the, I'm glad you're joining us. You have some questions and we've been doing a theme of having listeners come on and ask some questions. So first of all, like, I just want to, I just want to talk about some of the recent transactions that are happening. Like I just heard that um, Trevor Bauer was going to the Mets and now he's not going to the Mets. And now that Dexter Fowler, big news going to um, the Angels. That's yeah, that's got to impact Marsh and Adele. Yeah, I, was, I, I tweeted them like, "Great, now Dexter Fowler is going to block Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh this year because you know he's going to stay in the starting lineup longer than he should." Oh yeah, he's just like Dexter Fowler is going to be like the Josh Reddick of the Astros blocking yep. Kyle Tucker. That that is that is very very accurate. Yes, but on <laughs> the on the flip Fowler's side, reincarnation of Josh Reddick. Yeah, right. But on the flip side, maybe that means more playing time for Tyler O'Neill, who's always been kind of intriguing and like deeper formats so yeah maybe, maybe it's over line for that yes that's true so maybe and um well you, you think bader was locked in maybe lane thomas actually i've drafted I, him deep in a couple of leagues i, I do think bader's locked in bader's just bader's just a very good baseball player i mean he's not super exciting for fantasy purposes but i think just everything he brings to the table including his defense in center field i think i think he's a lock for playing time and then i think they're gonna give you know carlson every day at bats and, and right field as well. So it looks like Tyler O'Neill and left, you know, maybe a little bit of a couple other people, but I'm hoping it's O'Neill because he hasn't really had that shot yet. It's, it's been a while. He's been kind of up and down for the last few years. So I'd be excited to see if he can actually get a shot. You know, Twitter's got to start like, you know how they were like fact, fact checking Trump back, yeah. back when he was still like relevant on Twitter. Um, they got to start doing that to Bob Nightingale. 
Oh my god! Yeah, every every time he like tweets something else, this is disputed. <laughs> oh my god, it's 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 bad. It's, it's funny with with the the fact checking and all this. Be, be sometimes I'll see like in a I'll post something. And it'll be you know the comments below it, and I'll get like the this post has been hitting due to sensitive material or whatever. And do you want to see it? And I'll click yes, and it's never offensive. Like sometimes they're like this player sucks. I'm like, how is that offensive? Like yeah, no, you're, you're Twitter right. has been so soft now over the last like year. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't, I don't even like, sometimes I don't even understand why things are hidden. Right. Exactly. I, I don't, I don't most of the time. It's like, there's no, nothing offensive here at all. <laughs> I don't think you can offend me anyways. So um, right, I was worried how you could have been really fucked up and it wouldn't matter to me. Um, but um, let's, let's start off with some questions. Um, but uh, Daniel prepared a couple questions for, um, our prospect guru, Eric Cross. So um, I'd, I'd like to give him the opportunity to go ahead and ask them. Great, th thanks a lot. I just want to say maybe it might, might not hurt Tommy Edmonds' value, right? Because he's, at least in Yahoo, where everyone has a eligibility for if they played their little league. But Tommy Edmonds, I think, does have a couple <laughs> games in the outfield uh, yeah, last year. Yeah, he, so he's, like, he's that, that wouldn't hurt him. Yeah, he's a sneaky good guy because he has at least, I think, second, third, and, and maybe even outfield. So that, that eligibility, especially in those deeper formats, is huge. Yeah, yeah, so is he going to stay in the infield? Because where was – so it might just hurt Matt Carpenter, actually, because Edmund probably moves to second base. I think so. I think, yeah, he'll probably be at second. Um, let, me, let me blank on who would play third. Um, Arenado. Oh, right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, still getting, I'm still getting used to Arenado not being in Colorado. Um, yeah, so probably Edmund at second, I would be guessing, and then those three outfielders we just mentioned. So, yeah, Carpenter's probably kind of utility backup infielder type, which is probably what he's better suited for at this point anyway. I'm in, um, uh, not to get too much off, off topic, but I joined uh, a $400 NFBC draft champions today. So like, I don't usually go that high, but I just, I, I actually just wanted to see, because there's some really like good, like there's probably like, there, I might be exaggerating, but there might be like five of the top 10 best players in the world in this draft. And I'm going to get my ass really? kicked. It's, um, oh, this is with Ray Butler and Casey Cha. Oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Is Ray, Butler, is Ray Butler one of the top? players uh, oh um, no sorry about that <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't know oh, I, no, I was, no, like, he, um, no but these guys like, industry i think guy. ray's played a couple nfbc events but these guys play like like 30 or 40 a year i think ray plays maybe a couple one two or three um but um casey cha tyler john is i don't know if he's, he's not as well known but he is like his track record might be even better and then matt modica is in this and then um and then um um, Dan Kenyon, who's also another really good NFBC player on it. And there's other really good players. So I'm like, you know what? I just want to go, like, it's worth the price of admission just to see what these guys are doing and to watch them during the, um, during like set their lineups during the season. And the reason I thought of it is because you mentioned Arenado and just because this is one of the first drafts after the trade, he fell to pick 5.246. Wow. So that's, um, pick 66 in this draft in a 15 team league. So he's That's falling, cool. he's falling quite far. He's fell after, like he was picked after Voight and Ozuna. And this is a redraft league. So I think that might have been his max pick in these leagues so far. Yeah, probably. And you're not after Voight. You're not after Voight. That's kind of mind boggling. That is, a, yeah, that is a little. Yeah. I, would, I would still like, think. What, you, what are you expecting from, okay. I mean, I've never played NFBC, so who am I? But like, hmm. okay, that's. Yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah, no, it was definitely surprising. But um, 
I guess it's about uh, team construction. I would have, I, I was pick 11 in that round. I, I would have taken Arenado if he fell to five, um, the, the 11th pick of the fifth round, but it never got to me. But I did pass him up. I did pass on him in the fourth round. Um, and I took, uh, I took, Dan, I took Zach Plezak in the fourth round of this draft. Um, our buddy, uh, Dave McDonald would be proud of me. But, um, <laughs> I was wondering if you're gonna bring up Dave. <laughs> I, I, I bring him up on every podcast, as if, as does everyone else. Um, so actually, I, mean, I know I'm I've been I've interrupted uh, Daniel for probably about five minutes already before his question. But, no problem, no problem. I want to say I want to say Dave is he's he's an amazing guy. I love him. He, he's he like you ask him a question, reach so, out to him. So he's, passionate. he's he's super friendly. He's like the most he's the most him and Phil Phil Dusso are probably the two most unfollowed analysts. No, yeah, for sure. They should be followed. Like they're, yeah, I got a lot of respect for both of them. Um, but my, my question to you, Eric, and I, I might have, I might be bringing it, I might have brought it up later, but I'll bring it up now. Zach, please, Zach. I know everyone has their like assessments um, now, but like, did you ever like, like as a as he was a prospect, did you ever expect him to like? Is this like unexpected, or is this something in the in the range of your expectations? And and how does that influence your assessment of him this year? Yeah, he he was never a super high prospect for me, and I think for a lot of prospect analysts. But then again, neither was Shane Bieber. Like Bieber, yeah, Bieber was kind of high, but that's kind of like been the Cleveland, you know, they call it the Cleveland pitching factory for a reason. How they've had just such a, a great track record of developing pitchers. None of these guys that they really have brought up have been super high prospects. Like I think on a lot of top one hundreds, maybe Bieber was at most 60 to 70 range. Like he was never considered like one of the five or 10 best pitching prospects in the game, but you know, they, they have their methods there and it's worked. And while I, I'm not quite as high on please as most, I think he's very good. I think the ADP is a bit too pricey for me, but I, you know, fully believe in what they get going on there in Cleveland. This is their whole, you know, development mentality where they draft up the middle. You know, you look at a lot of their top prospects lists outside of like Valera, a corner outfielder, and Joan, Nolan Jones, a third baseman. It's a lot of, you got a couple catchers. There's a lot of middle infielders, a lot of center fielders, a lot of pitching. They, they draft up the middle. They have their, you know, they have their way of doing things and, and it works. So um, though I didn't think this would ever happen with Plezak, at the same time, it doesn't surprise me with what I've seen come out of Cleveland recently. Awesome. That's, that's, uh, that's interesting to hear. It's uh, it, it gives me a little bit, a little bit of confidence with him. And, and you talk about Bieber. Bieber is a type of prospect. Like when, when me and Daniel are playing in these dynasty leagues and, I, and I've been playing in dynasty leagues for a while, he's a guy that I always tend on, to, to whiff on because when I look at a pitching prospect, especially if you're playing in these, like a little bit, like a, a league that's a little bit more shallow when you only have like 10 or 20 minor leaguers, I'm looking at the K nine and the, the K percentage in the minor leagues. And he just didn't have it. He's like, like if you're, if you're playing in a somewhat shallow dynasty league, I tend to always shoot for the upside with the prospects because there's really no point. That's why in my like career playing dynasty, I've whiffed on Lindor. I've, I've whiffed on, I've whiffed on Lindor. I've whiffed on Bieber because they just weren't like that ceiling prospect. And the same thing happened this year. I'm whiffing on to Brian Hayes because I just, he just never was a guy that interested me uh, because they seemed like they're like sort of low ceiling type players, but then, Sometimes like when you play the game like that, you're going to, you're going to whiff on, on these type of players when they break out. Yeah, absolutely. And I was never a big Hayes guy either. I've kind of come around on him a bit, but yeah, he was, he's another one where you look at the, sum of the, the parts is, is really good, but he doesn't have, have that one standout tool. He doesn't have like 30 plus Homer pop or big speed or super high average, but he just do a lot of things. Well, 
kind of like a low key five category contributor. Well, maybe not, maybe not a lot of runs in RBI in that Pittsburgh lineup, but uh, that lineup's yeah. pretty atrocious. He might be the best hitter in that lineup already, which is sad. Um, but yeah, a lot of those guys, that's why I've, I've really started bumping up the, those types of underrated guys, like a, two great examples for pitchers right now are Nick Lodolo in the red system, red system and George Kirby out there in Seattle where they have really good arsenals. The command and control profile is ridiculous with both as it is with Shane Bieber. So these are types of guys I've started really kind of bumping up and, you know, these, you know, high ceiling, low floor guys that might have some command and control issues. I'm kind of bumping down because we've seen that the bus rate on those guys is so high, but yeah, I've definitely kind of factored in the, the safeness and the floor more in my analysis over the last couple of years. Both of those guys are being drafted in these 50 round draft and hold leagues because that's what this podcast is centered on a lot of the time. So it is relevant, to, um, relevant here. I, I think you draft you drafted Kirby in our draft, right? In the last I round. Did. Yeah, yeah, it was was it, yeah, it was either the last round or one of the last few rounds. Yeah, just because while he might not be up this year, you know, the, I was like, you know what, at this point, I'll take a shot on that upside. That he there's a chance he might be up mid season. He's a very very polished arm, even though he only has you know only like 20 innings or so under his belt, you know, missing the. 2020 minor league season but it's worth a shot at that point over what a uh, middle reliever or you know a uh, backup second baseman or, you know I, I thought it was worth a shot all right well you know what did, daniel did you ask your question yet oh no sorry just, i was talking about tommy edmund and then transition yeah no i don't mind i don't mind um so yeah so my first question was um you know how many analysts i wouldn't say all but so I should have written down which ones didn't and then just never read their stuff again. But many analysts were, were warning about Adele and saying, yeah, he's, he's for sure a top five. I, I didn't mean to criticize this part, but he's for sure a top five dynasty player. But be careful of redrafts because he has a lot of holes right now. So, like, how do you, how do you just, how, as, a, as someone who, 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 you know, we don't, you don't necessarily look at the, the, the prospect pages all the time, but you're playing redraft. How do you, how do you distinguish between the Adele's in redraft and the, and the Soto's Roberts's and Tatis's of the world. How do you, how do you like, what, what are we supposed to look for when we're doing our redraft analysis analysis? Yeah. I, I think the best thing to do is you got to keep expectations in check. You know, we've been spoiled over the last handful of years with those guys with Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr., Juan Soto, those types coming up and just dominating out of the gate. But we got to remember that is those are the exceptions to the rule. Like those are the anomalies. They shouldn't be the expectation. They're the exceptions. And for the most part, you know, prospects will have their peaks and valleys and their struggles in Adele. He absolutely struggled. He's, you know, you look at every metric you know, on Savant or whatever it may be. And he was arguably one of the five worst hitters in baseball last season. And the way I try to approach prospects right now for redraft leagues is first off, you look at the opportunity, you know, that's why I'm not drafting Jared Kalenic where his ADP is because who knows when he's going to be up. You know, we can say, oh, yeah, he'll definitely be up in April. But we don't know. We're not running those teams. Whereas some of the guys like Andrew Vaughn is going to be up sooner. Uh, Alex Karloff might be in the opening day line up for Minnesota even after the Nelson Cruz signing. So I look at you know, one opportunity. You know, is, the play, is there a clear path to playing time? And then in terms of the skill set, you know, Adele, how is it? He, his tools are off the chart. He has superstar upside, but you look at every level he's been at 
so far in the minor leagues, including the majors, he struggled initially. And because I look at the hit tool, the hit tool is huge. Like if these guys are, are hitting for high averages, don't strike out a lot. That's something with Adele. He has some swing and miss to his game. Those are the two things I kind of look at for initial success. Maybe that doesn't necessarily translate into long-term, you know, star upside. I, I do think Adele gets it going eventually and has a very good career offensively. But the guys like Nick, Nick Madrigal is a good example where he's just hit everywhere he's gone. You know, Oregon State, the minors, everywhere. The dude hits. The dude does not strike out. And you don't need to have a, a high contact guy like that. But just these guys that don't have the K issues can hit for a high average and have proven so in the minor leagues. Those are the guys that kind of translate quicker to the major leagues. And those are the guys I kind of target in redraft formats. You know, and in Kalenic, great hit tool. So, when he's like, if clinic was guaranteed, like if, if they did um, kind of like an Evan white thing last year and signed him to, you know, bought out his arbitration years and signed him to a long-term deal, I would definitely be all over clinic. Cause he's one of those types of prospects that has the great hit tool. doesn't have strikeout concerns. I think his, you know, his kind of profile will translate well to the major leagues. And that's why I'm kind of liking Hasyang Kim. Cause look at his uh, profile over in the KBL he didn't strike out much. He walked a good amount. The The approach was solid. So I think that'll ease his transition over some other of those big bopper, big strikeout types that have come over and struggled. So long story short, you know, hit tool, you know, path to playing time. And, you know, guys that don't strike out a lot are the guys I usually tend to target in redraft leagues for prospects. Yeah, okay. that, that makes a lot of sense. Can I, um, based on your answer, I'm going to ask um, in spring training or early on the season, if, if Adele comes out, you know, and it, it is, walk to the strikeout ratio you know he's walking for every every two times every time he strikes every every time he walks he's only striking out twice and uh the manager in LA is saying you know he's he's gonna he's gonna make the opening day roster um what was the third thing you said you said hit tool you said playing time and uh the, the strikeouts strikeouts okay so okay so they, so if, if he's if he's walking once every time he strikes out which would be a huge sorry walking once every two times he strikes out which would be a huge huge uh, gain from what he showed so far yeah. um, and the manager says he's making opening roster in spring training which is probably less than 10 percent chance then are, is, is he in your top 150 how, how high is he going to skyrocket no he, he wouldn't be in my top 150 he'd probably be a guy i'd look at 250 ish just because the, the power upside is there uh, the speed is there even though he hasn't run a ton he's still a very fast you know, athletic guy so i think i would look at him kind of yeah, 250 plus. I wouldn't go. I, I need to see more. You know, there's too much risk, even if the improvements are there. You know, we've seen many prospects or players in general make those improvements in spring training. And then all of a sudden, season starts and it's like, all right, they, they kind of revert back. And I'm not saying that might will happen with Adele, but I would need to see more out of him to draft him that high, which is kind of why I'm not on Dylan Carlson this year. Is ADP, I think, is in that 150 ballpark right now. And I think long-term, I, I like Carlson a lot. He's got a, a good upside. But I question how much average he hits for this year. I think the power will be there and playing time is there. So I could see 25 bombs. But I don't know if he's more than a 250 hitter this year. And I question how much he runs. He's only really an average runner. So is 250, 25, and a handful of, of steals – yeah, that could be worth a 150 pick, but that's really the ceiling, I think, for Dylan Carlson this year. So, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't go with Adele that high just because, like I said, I, I need to see 
you know, improvements in game action first. And then even then that's a little too risky. There's more, a lot more guys I like in that range that are more, you know, durable, more consistent, I should say more, you know, the safer picks that I'd rather build my team around in, in that early part yeah. of the draft. Is, is, is Adele's ADP right now around 300? Is that, does that sound correct? Um, I think it's, it's been dropping pretty quick, but I think it is outside 300 now. Which and even in FBC, you're talking? Yeah. yeah, FBC, DC. Uh, I'm pulling uh, up right DCs now. DCs in like last month. Pull it up. It, uh, overall, it's like around 320 right now. Um, I'm not sure about the last month. Let me let me check the last since January. Since the last month. I bet you it's like 350 plus yeah. over the last month. I plus, well. I've been drafting since October, and man, it's three three thirty three forty right now. Okay. And oh, I you guys are spot on. Okay. Too early. I took him like at the end, like in the late 200s or maybe mid 200s, when I was like looking for my fifth outfielder. And man, that was a mistake because um, now I'm going to be strapped for um, playing time. Yeah, you know it, it's 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 hard to pass up these guys. You know, that's something I have to really you know struggle with is you know these upside types because who knows you could be looking at I got you know I'm not saying it's going to be a dub just these kind of high upside prospects in general. You're like, well, what if I you know this guy does become the next Soto, Tatis, Acuna, and just dominates from the get go? You don't want to miss that. But then I try to remember what I tell everybody else is that those are the exceptions. Like that's a low likelihood of chance of happening. So then I try to, you know, take a step back, look at the overall picture, look at the guys going around that range. And I usually kind of pass, but yeah, it's, it's with, with Adele, I was kind of taking him early on. And then the new, you know, Joe Madden's, you know, kind of broke that The guy. He's probably starting in AAA. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm totally off of him. And outside of like, if I could get him like, past pick 400 or so at what a point where whatever doesn't work out doesn't work out there's no risk at that point i, I kind of take a look at him there but e- even in the early to mid threes i'm still not on, on that draft went 450 i think that's fair oh, wow. that's, fair. Okay. that's where i'd look at him yeah there's a chance he doesn't come up until until like august september right yeah especially, he doesn't at, all. especially after dexter fowler and another thing i said too brandon marsh is very very good and he's you know almost at, kind of at the same developmental point where if he kind of starts out hot in the minors, he could. I still like Adele more than Marsh long term, but Brendan Marsh could leapfrog Adele at least for just for kind of short term purposes. Where you know when you know probably when Justin Upton gets injured or stinks or, or both, and they have that a spot open up in the outfield, Marsh might get that call over Adele depending on how they play. It's not a foregone conclusion that when the Angels need an outfielder or a DH or whatever, that Adele is going to be back up. I think if he's hitting well, he will, but there's a good chance, you know, it takes him a bit to get going this year. Like it usually does. And Marsh comes out hot. Marsh could leapfrog him. So yeah, Dell in 2021, I said, well, I love the upside, love him long-term. He's just very, very risky. Yep. Unfortunately, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, so Daniel, do you have any other questions or do you want to, do you want to save them for um, later? Um, I, I just thought, I'm just thinking now, I, you know, how the past couple of weeks, We've seen a, a few analysts, prospect analysts say, I mean, not a few, but at least one say Marsh over Adele now, even for Dynasty. So so you'd comfortably, would you comfortably take Marsh over Adele in redraft now? In redraft, it's, it's close. It's, even though that, you know, what I just said, I'm not totally like 100% on Marsh this year. So I still think there's, you know, there's not a great path to playing time for him either. But just the Marsh-Adele comparison in general, I will say Marsh is probably a safer prospect. And he's very underrated. He, he doesn't get the the love that he deserves in the prospect and dynasty world because he doesn't 
he's another one of those guys. He doesn't have that one wow tool, but I, I saw Marsh out in the, uh, the AFL Arizona Fall League back in 2019 when I was out there for first pitch Arizona, which was a phenomenal event, by the way. Um, but saw Marsh out there. Uh, he was one of the better players in the league. Royce Lewis won the MVP, but Marsh was right on his heels statistically. And the thing with Marsh, he's been, you know, above average contact skills, above average to plus speed. He's a guy that's probably going to hit like 275, 280, 285, solid OBP, and still you have 20, 25 bags. But the power is kind of lack. He's always, he's always, he has the power. Like the raw power is there, but he hasn't really, you know, driven the ball in the air consistently. He's been more of a ground ball guy, line drive guy. As soon as that, and that's starting to, it's slowly getting there. But I think there's going to be a, a time when it just clicks for him. And maybe it's a slight hand adjustment, whatever it may be mechanically. And then he starts driving the ball in the air more consistently. And there's, you know, 15 to 20 homer pop here too. It's, it could be like a Lorenzo Cain, you know, back when he was still, you know, at, at his peak type of guy where he's just hitting the good average 15 to 20 bombs, 20 to 25 steals, you know, a top 100 guy. So uh, Marsh is definitely very good, but Adele has him beat on the upside because Adele is a 35 to 40 homer bat has the speed to still 20. We'll see if he decides to run that much, but then the hit tools in question mark, you know, he could be a two, 60 guy he could be a 280 guy if everything clicks so um but yeah marsh is definitely underrated for for this year and long term sort of a sleeper like uh, dylan carlson was perhaps yeah a guy that just never got the love and then all of a sudden because they weren't putting up the huge stats you know everyone kind of goes to the stats and that's not the you know be all end all with prospects so you gotta you gotta look a little deeper look at the skills and yeah marsh is definitely you know he hasn't put up any gaudy stats in the minors he says all around offensively, the dude is solid. He's as rock solid as they come, especially in that angel system. And yeah, I think he's going to be yeah, a very, very good player for a very long time, but not one that you'll ever be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go get Brandon Marsh. But at the end of the year, you'll be like, you know what? I'm happy with that investment. Right on. Awesome. Do you want to look at the board yet? Or do we, um, do we have any more questions from uh, Daniel right now? Because we got- I, I, I can hold them. I can like I have one more. I can hold it. You can hold uh, one more to the end. Well, yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll save one for the end of the uh, after the episode because we want to look at um, the battle of the podcast board. So let's take yes. a look at that. And um, I've had I've had people on the the show almost. I think we've almost gone through everyone by now. Um, we still got uh, we're having um, Toby and Bubba come on next week um, on Monday. Um, but uh, Eric, you're one of the last people to come on to review your your board. And I've te- I've, be- I've generally been asking like one question. Uh, on one pick to everyone just sort of to call it defend your pick and the guy I'm going to I'm going to ask you about is Christian Javier um, you took him in round 18 yep. so you did like you you actually got a, a pretty good value on him with respect to that market value ADP but a lot of people are down on him in the industry because um, of his underlying metrics and that specifically his like his whiff percentage and his swinging strike rate um, are two things that people generally cite about that um, however, um, he's a guy that I was on, I was personally on last year and I had a lot, I had him in a lot of draft champions leagues. I think he was one of my most owned players, like in the round forties going forward. And that was one of the things I did well last year. Uh, and one, one thing that I, I, because I play in a lot of dynasty leagues, I was able to identify that he had like insane gaudy numbers in the minor leagues. So, um, do you weigh that, Eric, do you, do you weigh that at all in terms of, um, when you, when you're assessing Javier? Yeah. And with, with, with Javier, you know, the Houston system has been pretty good at developing pitchers over the last, you know, 
several years. Yeah, they kind of have messed up Forrest Whitley a little bit, but we'll see. That's still kind of a wait and see. But they've done a good job developing pitching prospects. You know, and Javier, honestly, I don't like Javier. Like I, I don't. Like I'm not a big Javier guy. So it's kind of funny that I drafted him. But it was kind of you looking at the board here. He was my well, one, two, three, four, five. He was the eighth pitcher I drafted behind Max Scherzer, Max Freed, Ian Anderson, Denilson Lamette, Sixto Sanchez, uh, Rafael Montero, and Zach Davies. So he's my seventh, at best, he's my sixth or seventh starter, along kind of right there with, with Zach Davies. So I like the value. You know, we were getting near, you know, the late, I think we were past 250. Yeah. So this was what 18th round. So we're talking, yeah, it was like pick 260, give or take. So I thought the value was pretty solid there. In fact, he was gonna be my in my eighth guy, and I could take a you know take a risk with him. And yeah, the unknown metrics they weren't great, but at the same time, you know, the stuff is good with with Javier. What I don't like, you know, command and control profile. You know, control is all right, but the command, which kind of gets him in trouble of that fastball. But he's got a solid fastball, good slider. You know, at least a major league average changeup. So I think that point in the draft. I'd be okay with him. If, if I had to take him at his ADP, which is that's Javier. I don't want Javier Baez. I want the other Javier. Uh, 210. That I want, you know, that was probably a good at least 50 picks before I got him. That I'm kind of out on. Like I'm not a big Javier guy in general. He, he is a min pick of 133. I don't, I don't know who's doing a 133 on Christian Javier. Really but but yeah, I almost got him as max. His max is 295, and I'm pretty sure I wasn't too far off from that. So it was just good value. You know, like I said, my seventh starter, you know, at oh, the yeah. point in the draft. I, I just, I thought it was good value, but there are some concerns. I think he's going to regress. I don't think he's going to match what he did last year, but I think he's going to be a kind of a serviceable mid, you know, kind of a mid round guy this year. So I, I like the value there. Now, follow up to that. Um, it seems like everything the Astros touched, like, in that time period when they started drafting Carlos Correa turned into gold because they just had, um, they just had a surplus of prospects. Every, everyone that they just couldn't hold on to them. Like you can list them, JD Davis, T Oscar Hernandez. Um, who else was it? There was like another, there's other, other big oh, JD Martinez. Um, they just couldn't lost, you know, they just couldn't keep these guys. So yeah. and, and even the pitching, um, even some of their pitchers that have gone, uh, they had Musgrove, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. They had Musgrove. Uh, they would trade him in the coal deal, right? Musgrove and Moran. Yeah, yeah, that was in the coal deal. Right. You're so right. They, they, yeah. just, they just keep trading. Like, and and uh, who can blame them? Because they have so many good pitchers. So our, my question to you, Eric, is do you do you see, like, because Javier is sort of on that back end of the rotation right now. Like, they have mm-hmm. Whitley, but no one's really concerned about that. But they have other guys, like, there. They have Luis Garcia, who sort of, like, had the same type of numbers in the minor leagues um, as Javier. They have Tyler Ivey. They have... Um, Solomon, they have a lot of good prospects. Like not 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 to cite any of them specifically, but there's like there's there's something called strength in numbers. And mm-hmm. um like like where you got Javier is amazing. Like, yeah, I think you got him like almost close to his max, but just in terms like if you're taking him like as like your SP4, SP5, like does that give you any concern with all the competition that might be coming up? Uh not necessarily because you know, a lot of those guys aren't kind of what I would call major league ready at this point. I think they need 
kind of a full 2021 season in the minors, then maybe 2022, some of these guys will be coming up. You know, you could throw Jairo Solis in there as well. And they just drafted a couple a couple guys. You know, Alex Santos was their top draft pick this past June. He's a solid one. Tyler Ivey, I think, well, he could be up. I think you'll see a lot of these guys in the pen. I don't, I'm not really concerned with any of them overtaking, um, overtaking in the rotation this year. So, yeah, I think most of them will either be bullpen or maybe up 2022. What do you think Luis Garcia's role would be? Um, just probably bullpen, long, maybe long reliever. Yeah, I've always kind of leaned more towards him in the bullpen because he's never you – know, the command and control profile with him has been – yeah, it's been okay at best. You know, and the fact that, you know, he's got a good, you know, good fastball, solid changeup never really established that third pitch. Like, you know, he's t- kind of tinkered with both curve and slider, neither one of which are really consistently what I would call a weapon. So just because that lack of a legit third pitch, the, you know, the command and control profile being a little shaky, he looks more like a reliever to me. And like you said, with the surplus they have, you know, all these guys can't be starters. Like we know, like, you know, maybe if they're in Tampa Bay, they'll go with a 14 man rotation. Tampa Bay would be the one to do that, but, or, or the angels, but uh, yeah, everyone can't be a starter. Some of these guys end up in the bullpen. And I think Garcia is one of those guys. Right on. Well, I got a question on Tampa Bay later, but um, let's just finish up uh, talking about this draft board here. And my question to you is just a gen- my general question for you is that being someone that focuses on prospect as your like main, fo- your main focus in fantasy, um, does it give you the confidence to like wait on prospects a little bit longer and, and let people uh, have a little bit of an itchy trigger finger on some of the more uh, like trendy ones like Jared Kalenic, which I, I ended up drafting, but um, does it, and, and um, before I get into the question, I, 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 um, I did a podcast on strategy just myself the other day and I, I cited you uh, because I talked about ba- drafting backwards and that's a lot of, that's a strategy that a lot of very good players do. And you um, cited an excellent example of that on Twitter. You said, why well, draft clinic when you can have like Vaughn or, or Kirillov later? Yep. Maybe Kirillov is a better, um, better comparison because you can get him like between like 70 to 100 picks later when he's mm-hmm. getting you like when, you, when you're, you're getting the same profile. Like when you're, when you look at the NFC drafts, not like you're not really thinking of him like, okay, I need to get an outfielder. I want to, you're not trying to maybe some, so, sometimes you're not trying to fill a position, you're trying to fill a profile. You want to, like, I can have one spot that's a little bit riskier to a young guy, and it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter what position it is. So, Maybe talk about um, talk about um, your experience with prospects and how that helps you um, maybe wait on some prospects and get some later on and, and gives you an edge and 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 then dra- and and relate that to drafting backwards. Yeah, so it's all been a lot of experience and a lot of heartache because I used to be the one with the itch trigger finger. You know, it's like I said, it's it's hard to not at least want to do it, no matter what your drafting style is. You know, what what type of players you like you see these, the high upside prospects that are, you know, coming up, you're like, ah, I want a piece of that. And I was very guilty of that, you know, years ago, getting too many of those guys. And it's okay to mix in, you know, sprinkle them in to your roster. Absolutely. Okay. I think that's part of winning, taking, you can't, you gotta take a little bit of risk, right? You know, you gotta hit on some of those guys, the sleepers, the prospects, the bounce backs, whatever it may be. So you gotta sprinkle those in, but I was going too heavy on the prospects and it bit me in redraft leagues. So I try to make a point of going, kind of going back to the sprinkling them in type of strategy 
And yeah, just because how much focus, you know, I have on prospects with my content and with my podcast as well. That's why I put up that tweet about Kelnick and I think five people thought my account had been hacked because everyone knows I'm the big, you know, I'm a huge Jared Kelnick guy. Um, but it's funny because, but it's, it's very true. And I mean, it shocks, shocks some people when I made that tweet that I'd rather have Vaughn or Kirloff this year. Well, I still like Kelnick more long-term is because kind of what we talked about more in the beginning of the show where, you know, Kirloff it looks like he's going to be opening a left fielder hitting in a very good lineup. You know, maybe he hits, you know, lower, a little bit lower, sixth, seventh in the order, but still a very good twins lineup, basically one through nine. So in the fact that he's one of those guys that has the hit tool, doesn't strike out a ton. So I think he's going to be one of those players that transitions easier to the majors, doesn't have those peaks and valleys. Same with Andrew Vaughn, hit tool guy, doesn't strike out a lot, you know, high floor type, just like Karoloff. And, you know, maybe he isn't in the opening day lineup, but, you know, they were working him out at third base. Like they were trying to get him in the lineup last year. Like there was from see that come up last year. Obviously that didn't happen, but I think he's up sooner than Kelnick. So even if they're up pretty similar, like Vaughn is a very good prospect too. Like he's a top 10 dynasty prospect. I think I have him like ninth or 10th in my overall top 250. So the fact that he's going to be up sooner. And, you know, if they're getting taken around the same ADP, I'd probably go Kelnick just because I think he has a higher upside because he could factor in the speed, which Andrew Vaughn cannot. Mm-hmm. But like that, again, like you mentioned, Kelnick's, I think, being taken like 220 or so. And both Vaughn and Kirloff, I think, are like 280, 290 in that general vicinity. So I would definitely rather take them because they're going to give me more immediate impact and, what, f- four, five, six rounds later. So I, I would definitely – and the fact that, you know, I, I have confidence I can find some of the, you know, the other prospects later, you know, in these deeper drafts later on. Like I, I took a good amount of prospects in this in this draft kind of later on, both on the pitching side and offensively that I, I feel confident can come up at some point, you know, first few months of the season. So I felt okay, you know, passing on Kelnick as much as I, I hate passing on him because he's my boy. But I was like, all right, for, for this year, you know, I, I can let somebody else have him, even though he could be, you know, come up early, put up 2020 and I'll, I'll look like a fool. But, you know, like I said, those are the, those are the exceptions. <laughs> so, right. yeah. That's cool. Like I that's um can't really argue with that, but um, at that point, I, I'm like I said, I did end up taking him there um, because I don't know. I thought I thought he, I thought he, I think he's going to be good, and I knew I knew that he wasn't coming back to me because I had you and uh, George, uh, and I know George likes him too. I've been in a bunch of drafts. I was more worried about George than you because I've been in drafts with him before, and he's that's about that's about the time where he takes him, if not before. So I knew he was I knew he wasn't coming back to me. Um, no. So yeah, um, can, I, can I just ask? Would you? Oh. Am I correct in saying that Kalenic is the highest upside and the highest risk um, in terms of playing time? Because like, we have Kirloff, we have Kirloff who, who the Twins like so much, they put him in the postseason and they traded and they didn't even tender Eddie Rosario contract. Uh, so he, I think he's the highest, highest, like, highest safety for playing time. Um, and then Kalenic, who's on a rebuilding team, who's, the team's probably going to do really poorly, while Vaughn is on a contending team that could actually need him. Would you, would you say that? Yeah, that's kind of fair, though. I don't, I don't think that Kalanick's a huge risk for playing time because, you know, you, you look at the what they have at the major league level. Well, Kyle Lewis, you know, he's a locked in. He's a part of their long-term plans. Mitch Hanniger's back. I like Mitch Hanniger. I think I actually got him in this draft. But left field, they look like they're going to platoon. Some combination of, like, 
Braden Bishop, Shed Long, Jose, I was at Marmalejos. I think is how you say that last name. I always butcher it. But like, there's nobody in left field, let's put it that way, uh, of, of substance. So, you know, indeed, they got Ty France, you know, decent little player. We'll see. No, I don't think he's one, a guy that's going to block anybody, though. So, when it's more so when they deem him ready. And Koenig is, you know, he got to double A in 2019, dominated at the alt site in 2020, just taking everybody deep. He's, it's more so he will be there when he's ready. When they deem him ready, you know, maybe it's after, you know, the service time issue. So maybe that factors in as it always does with these guys. But you know, it's, it's more so, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a late 2021 ETA. I think at the latest by the, you know, end of June, if he's not up by July 1st, I will be shocked. Like I'll put down a thousand bucks of my own money right now that he'll be up by the end of June. I'm not taking that bet. Yeah, probably even in May, maybe even in April, you know, mid to late April, like you know, kind of the Chris Bryant situation from you know several years ago. Uh, but yeah, I, I think in terms of you know, obviously Karoloff is the safest there for playing time, and I think Vaughn and 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 uh, Kalnick are pretty close. But yeah, I think Kalnick's up soon. Oh, is that Govier? Oh, hello. There he is. Society, I am here to talk oh. fantasy baseball. I promised I would be here. God damn it! You're perfect right. time. You actually came in perfect timing. We just, we just, oh. um, we just finished uh, um, the assessment of Eric's draft. We, we talked a little bit of prospects before. Perfect time for you to talk about your draft board. But I, I originally wanted you. To, I, I originally wanted you to come on and do the intro for the entire podcast. So why don't you? I know. No, not going to do it. Okay. I no, I will. I, will. <laughs> I wanted you to introduce um, Eric. And I, I should introduce you to Daniel. He's a he's a he's a listener that came on for some questioners. He's um, he, um, he's off of um, I guess from your perspective, he'd he'd be off of Twitter. Oh, okay. Well, hey, welcome in to the Draft Champions Podcast, <laughs> the one and only podcast for all of your information related to draft champions on NFBC. If you want to be the best, you want to be the overall champ, you want to win it all in 2021, this is the podcast for you. Zach is the man. Zach Waxman takes no prisoners. He also listens, but he takes no shit, no prisoners. He's not here to fuck around. He's here to win a league. He's here to help you win. He's here to help everybody be more knowledgeable wisdom guidance growth championships that's what he brings that's it beautiful where, i did swear where, where, sorry where, i should have where, where been on my life so we got a question for you mike will you well i got a question for you i'm gonna, I'm gonna beat eric to it will you narrate my life <laughs> what the fuck you didn't you didn't beat me too because i think i already asked michael about that <laughs> fucking mason asked me the same thing on this career change right there just narrow people's lives you know i'm taking applications as we speak so yes i am open to you know e- i heard e- something completely and- different i'm glad that that's what you said instead i was okay that's what you hear okay. daniel i heard where you marry my wife <laughs> <laughs> so there's some background noise that's great. Uh, well, I mean, I I hope everyone's happy in their relationships. I really. I'm in hope. I'm in um, 25 leagues already, so um, you might get that chance, like as soon as baseball season starts. Hell yeah! There <laughs> you go, I'll, baby. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up, Govier. Dude, Danielle's gonna be fucking pissed at uh, 
Mason because we went way over. He's like, I gotta go, I gotta go. I'm like, yeah, I gotta go too. So. There's there's a late fee. It was, it was funny when when we had Justin on Five Tool like two three weeks ago. We went a little bit long, and as I was, it was either Justin or my co-host Jesse that was talking. I kind of was like scrolling through Twitter really quick, and I saw that she put a tweet out like, if you're gonna have my husband on your on your podcast, please you know stay to the allotted time, or there'll be a late late feed to the rental charge or something like that you know her <laughs> typical humor i started laughing so i, I wrote it on air it was great i, I love danielle she's awesome <laughs> she is so go be i mean i'm gonna throw you i'm gonna throw you right into the fire okay are you prepared for this at all i don't think so i am okay uh, you know i think i am but you're probably right I, I just don't see how you could have been because you're just you're constantly been doing podcasts like you're releasing two like on average like 1.5 a day <laughs> I'm, I can barely keep up with this and I'm doing less than you. Um, okay. So I've been, I'm going to call you out on one of your players. Actually, okay. am, I, am I calling you out on one of your players? I've been waiting for this for a couple of weeks since the draft finished. And I've listened to the other ones with Jorge and uh, Drew. That was good. You know, they said, by the way, before you get to this, they were kind of, Hey, we're the moderate kind of middle of the road guys, but I thought it was a great podcast. So Drew and George do not sell yourself short. Drew, Drew was, Drew was, uh, he was burning the heat at the, at the beginning. He was yelling and screaming. He was <laughs> scaring me. I, um, I feel like he was making fun of me and John by calling us football coaches, uh, but that's fine. I accept that. And uh, that's who I am. Uh, yeah. You haven't even, you haven't even been on this podcast yet to be called one. And you know what, Gobi, we got, you got, I got to, you got to come on like yourself one time. I want to, I want to dedicate uh, an episode to you. Um, oh, I'll be here. You know that, you know, that. in the near future. Um, and uh, you're, we're working on a theme song together. Yes, this weekend, dude. I just debuted a, no, no, no a new rush, song. No rush. No, it's going to get done this weekend, I promise you. I debuted a new one on the show tonight with Mason that is a meatloaf cover. So oh, I'm hoping that'll be a big hit. I, wait, I will do anything for love. Yep, yep. Yeah, you're on the right track. I want to guess, is it sort of like a Weird Al type thing? Of course, yeah. So I, I would do anything for, I'm trying to think how you would, what rhymes with love um it doesn't it act, it uh, won't rhyme but oh, it right. has to fit with one syllable mm. i, I feel like a lot you, of words <laughs> my, michael i feel like you crush karaoke am i accurate in that assessment i've had some good times doing karaoke okay. if you I, if you want to go out and do it sometime eric i would love to do that with you let's do it you know post uh post uh freaking covid here let's do it <laughs> two <laughs> things i've never done one i've never been to maine and i've never done karaoke with you so i would love to do that yeah Right there, boom, let's do it. I would love to do that Man. too. As soon as COVID's over, I'm on, I'm on a flight down to Boston. Yeah, Boston, Boston's my first destination. As soon as COVID's over, I've never been to Boston. I would love to do that. that I've been cool. a couple of times. I've been to Fenway. I used to like I used to work for a company that had like um their owners were in Boston, so they we used to go to Boston once a year, and, went, and they took us to Fenway. It was sweet. Boston's awesome. awesome. I love Boston. It's like a two hour, two and a half hour drive for me. Or usually I take to take the train down, but it is the most ass backwards city. Like in terms of like the layout of the city, like there's really? there's this, there this meme. Um, it was like it showed a picture of like an overshot of New York City on top, and then Boston on the bottom. You know, New York City, you know, you know, New York City is the grid. Everything's like you know, first street, second street, etc. It's like New York City because we want to know where you're going, and then it says Boston because <laughs> fuck you because it's all like curvy and shit. It's like, Boston is like the most ridiculous town design wise. They, whoever did that was drunk. They had a too many guinnesses or whatever it was but it, it's a great you know great food city a lot of good spots in boston obviously the sports and whatnot so yeah i love boston <laughs> that, that reminds me of those videos that 
what was it mason posted in the uh, oh, battle of the podcast chat about yeah. cleveland and uh, those were really funny those are awesome i've never seen those that was actually the intro music to uh, dave mcdonald's um podcast podcast um appearance on this show nice good call dude i do like that you vary it and switch it up i think that's a good idea i hate that i'm married to one like our, our theme song it kind of sucks in a way because we're just always going to play the same thing you, know, the but guests, you the could guests, type right they love it well, but um yeah we're, we're going to change it up if, if 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 we do end up um hitting off hitting hitting it off with this uh theme song that that i that i wrote the lyrics for and then you're going to perform because i'm mm-hmm. I, I can't perform i'm terrible um uh then that's going to be the that's going to be the go-to um theme song well, that's fine. You know, I could be the Elton John and you could be the Bernie Toppin, dude. It's perfect, man. That's could be whatever, they've whatever made music else. for 40 years. Plus, you know, I can be Elton John. Good. I can be um, Elton John's husband. I don't know. You know, you're Bernie Toppin. His oh, producer has yeah. written everything. Oh, yeah. That's the guy who's written every Elton John song for the last 50 years. Is that the guy he's married to? No, it's just his songwriting partner. So. Oh, okay. I, I was, I was going to say I was going to be your, like, Elton John, <laughs> well, I'll be your husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no Elton John without Bernie Toppin. That much I do oh, know. Fair, fair He's enough, the songwriting master. So. Anyways, let's go. Let's get into this draft. I want to call you out on something. You, right. you waited until pick 315 to draft a third base eligible player in this draft. Damn it. it was <laughs> what? Here. Why do you say? Damn? I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. I know you did because I told you this. I told you this was in the, this was in the agenda. <laughs> uh, so, um, but it's still hard to hear. I don't know. I feel like an idiot, but it's true. I did do this. So. Well, I. I I'm going to ask you this, and I'm I'm if if you can't bail yourself out, I'm going to try and bail you out on this one. If if you if you if you can't, you drafted <laughs> okay. you drafted Edwin Rios at pick three fifteen at the end of the twenty first round, and he was your first third base eligible player in a fifteen team league. He may not have a full time job. The Dodgers could bring someone in. He's got a lot of upside. What were you thinking? Well, what I was thinking at the time is how much I enjoyed watching him play and what he provided for the Dodgers when he did play. I would be really honest here, really honest. Besides his production and his potential, which I do like, when I was putting together videos last year, they were called Quality Start for Roto Fanatic, and uh, he hit this home run. I think it was in, it might have been in August, and I was just so enamored with it. His swing was so beautiful, and it towered and flew that it's stuck in my head ever since. And anything that I could add to that, to build up the hype and excitement for me to draft Edwin Rios and believe that this guy could easily hit 30 home runs in a season. I, I would do. And I've, I may have fooled myself and I may have gone too far and I made some mistakes by not picking somebody who could fill the quarter infield spot at the very least a little more frequently before that pick. I, I agree with that. That was a mistake, but I do love Edwin Rios as a player and I'm not going to back down from that. But did you realize that, um, Carlos Santana has signed with the Kansas City Royals. I am aware of that. Yes, I was aware of that. What position does Carlos Santana play? Uh, I believe he plays first base most of the time. So if Hunter Dozier can't play first base, where is he going to play? Outfield. No, they're, they're going to move him to third base. So, what? Yeah, that's what they said. They're going to move him to third base. Uh, where'd you hit this shit? I, I'm not familiar with this. Yeah, um, I heard it a while ago. That's what they plan to do. They, I think, I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head who's in their outfield. They got Franchi Cordero and and um, uh, Oliveris. Oliveris, like sort of when, Whitmer, Whitmer Field, right Michael field. Taylor's there now. Yeah, for for what it's worth, Ross Resource has Hunter Dozier as the starting third baseman. Wow, take, take that. You know, I was going to try and dig you out of this hole. You did, <laughs> man. 
I feel great now. I feel better than I felt in a couple of weeks. I gotta say, this is this is great. Thank refreshing. you. Refreshing. I, I did. I wish I could take credit to say, although it was my plan all along, but it most certainly was not. We can edit, right? this. We can edit this again. <laughs> no, 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 I got to tell it like it is. You know me. I'm a straight shooter. No, bullshit. Michael, Michael, looked in, Michael looked into his crystal ball and just knew that Dozier. So he moved over to third after the inevitable Carlos Santana <laughs> signing. That's how you get a word. I, I, had, I don't know if we can. This is the other thing, though. Trusting roster resource and what they're doing right now. I mean, they're yeah. aren't they doing what we're doing. And we talked about this in the chat as well. Right. Yeah. Like, like I said, it just for what it's worth, I was like, you know, they, they do have them there. Who knows? But yeah, they're not, it's not the be all end all that, you know, like, Oh, that's how it's going to be with lots of resource, but it certainly know. gives me some hope and uh, raises my expectations. A little right. bit, Cause that's, I do also love Dozier yeah. regardless. Right. Someone yeah. has them starting their base, you know, maybe other depth charts don't, but at least someone does. So there's all a glimmer of hope for you, Michael. Couple starts there. I don't know. I actually don't recall offhand how many they, the NFBC requires to get that eligibility. See, that's something I would need to know because I'm, I'm not familiar with the NFBC as much as you guys are. Actually, I don't know the answer either, but um, I have a lot of – Hunter Dozier is a player I like a lot. I have a lot of shares of him this year, so um, yes. I like that pick, um, and, I, and I like the pick uh, even more if he gets third base eligibility for you. Um, the other thing for you, uh, Michael, is um, how did you um, enjoy drafting on the turn, like getting two picks in a row, besides um, uh, the convenience factor? I thought it would be cool. And I did some, I actually did do some research on this, but some of it was 12 team perspective. And I think the error here was not focusing more exclusively on a 15 team league, which obviously it is. And I should have done. If you're in a 12 team league, the players that are going to be there later on, or when you come back around after you have to wait for all the other picks to come through are more beneficial based on how the rotations of picks have gone in most leagues I've been in, as opposed to a 15 team league. When I'm on the turn after the first round of pick, the first round is easy, you know, Yelich and Bueller. I'm fine with that. I have no beef with that at all. Beautiful. But when I came, yeah. When I came back with Snell and Marte Starling Marte, that was, I wasn't as happy about it. I, I was kind of frustrated. Like, boy, the pitching just disappeared so much between those picks that I, I was, I was a little bit flustered and I didn't know exactly what to do there. And it was a learning experience for me. I do admit that freely because I don't know it all. And I try to learn from the mistakes in any draft I'm in, I'm going to make a mistake. I'm sure of it. Cause you can't be perfect. But in the particular, that point in the draft on the second turn is where I thought there would be more pitching, but <laughs> pitching just flew off the you board know, as I, you've I, covered. I, and I think everyone thought that. Everyone felt the same way you did because we've talked about that on this podcast and pitching flew off the board in this draft faster than it did in any of the drafts that I've been in. And I've been in quite a few. So you getting Snell at the end of round three, I'll put it in perspective with you. I'm in another draft right now. I was, as I was just saying, Snell went earlier than that in a draft that pitching wasn't moved up as quickly. So I think you're very fortunate to have gotten Snell at that point. And I think that's a very good pick in terms of how the, the draft was flowing because I would have loved to have Snell for my next pick in the fourth round but he obviously didn't it didn't last and uh, i didn't expect him to Marte, there's nothing wrong with that you got your speed locked up there um comparing let's let's go over to eric's team comparing to him he got soto soto man he's he's so good they were, i was just uh, listening to mlb network they were just gushing over him tonight and then you got scherzer and arenado <clears throat> yeah but how does he feel about the arenado pick now and th- were you planning on this trade happening sooner than later eric I actually wasn't planning on it is, you know, everyone 
anytime I talk about anybody from Colorado, what usually story or are now like, oh, wow, what if they leave? I'm like, well, that's been the thing for like the last, what, four or five years? It's always been like, oh, what if they leave? Well, like, worry about that when it happens, you know? Like, for the most part, you know, it hadn't didn't happen until this year, you know, two days ago. Live but, in the moment, man. Right, exactly. It's, so I, I loved already not I thought he was falling way too far when we, when, we, when we had this draft, which was, what, a month ago when we started this draft or something like that? So it been I, that long? Was it? it was middle was of it? January, was it? Was it? Oh, maybe <laughs> Zach knows best, right? Zach, yeah, actually, I think it was like maybe 15th. We started of January, but at, at, at the time, you know, that was what pick uh 34. I thought that was really good value in Arenado. Yeah, everyone's kind of worried about the shoulder if he leaves Colorado. So maybe at this point, I don't think it was 34th. Maybe if, if he was on St. Louis, I wouldn't have taken him 34th, but I don't think it's going to be a huge drop off. You know, everyone just looks at the home road splits. You can't just look at home road splits and have that big, oh, he's going to be this 265 or whatever it is, his career road average. But, you know, there's always that factor of maybe he's going to be re-energized. You know, he didn't like playing in Colorado for the most part, from what it sounded like. So maybe maybe he's re-energized and he's like on this tear and maybe be, if he's 90% of what he was in Colorado, which is a four-category monster, you know, 300, 40, 120, 100, you know, one of the most outside of Mike Trout, arguably the most consistent offensive player in baseball over the last five, six, seven years. You can make that mm-hmm. argument, I think. So yeah, maybe he's not a 40, 120 guy, but you know, maybe 280, 30, you know, 100. You know, he's still hitting in the middle of that lineup. He's got Goldschmidt around him, Edmund around him. It's a pretty solid top of the order. So no yeah, more I mean, Dexter Fowler. He's no more Dexter Fowler. But uh yeah, I, I think he's still gonna be a very good player, maybe not 34th best player, but I don't think it's going to be like this massive drop off. Like some, some people think so. It's not going to kill you. You probably could have got him later at this. If we started drafting now than the 34th yeah. pick, but you know what? Uh, I, I, I feel, I feel how you're feeling because I've been in a ton of drafts and, and it evolves over like the last couple of months since October, the, the landscape keeps evolving and evolving. And if you look at the rest of your draft, like I can tell you right now, just from being in a lot of drafts and knowing the market, just from just from, not from me being a good drafter, just from being in a lot of drafts, I know the market pretty well. <laughs> Come on, Zach, you're you're a stud drafter. It's okay. Oh, you're making me blush. You want me to be your husband, Nelson John? I do. Okay. Love me. Um, so no, but I, I, I'll, t- I'll point out a couple things. I'll, I'll look at um, a couple things stick out right away. Kirillov in round twenty one. The way the the way the market's now, you would never get him that late anymore. He's going earlier than that. Hilliard in round twenty five. You'll never get, you'll never, those two guys, you got enormous value on there. So if he, if we did the draft now, yeah, you probably could have got Arenado later. And that would have maybe, he's still going to, like, you, you might've got him in the fourth round instead of the third round, but flipping flip flop, whoever you got in the fourth round, um, Max Freed, maybe you could have taken a different pitcher in the third round. Who knows, right? I don't think it, yeah. I don't think it really kills you, but getting those, getting those other guys in like later than, than um, versus, having to pay up for them a lot more that probably helps you more. So it's, it's, an, it's an evolution, these drafts. Yeah. I know if, you know, let's say we did this draft today and the same exact picks, you know, went before me, I probably would have gone who you went the pick after me, who I was debating Xander Bogarts, who you know, I was talk, talking about this with Justin Mason when he came on five tools that shortstop wall is deep. Everyone knows it's deep. And I went to this draft with the mindset. All right. Shortstop's deep. Maybe I'll wait. I'll fill other spots that are a little more shallow. Like I, I don't like the late round third base options for the most part. So I was like, I want to fill third base somewhat early. 
which I did. That was a good call. Don't be like me. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, be, I don't want to be like Mike. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, and I ended up having the title for Jonathan VR, who might not even sign. Like, there's a chance he doesn't sign or he signs the backup somewhere. Cause nah, all, even sign. like, you know, he'll sign. Yeah, he'll, he'll sign. sign probably, but there's a, that element of risk there. But I ended up having to take, you know, a guy later, you know, at shortstop that I didn't really want as my starting shortstop. So I probably would have went bogey there at, you know, even being a Red Sox fan, I'm surprised I didn't go bogey to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, that, that would have been a good pick there. Or maybe go, you know, Maida who went pick right to pick after to uh, Chris from baseball pods. Uh, a couple of other picks that could have gone there, but yeah, I, I don't hate it. No, it's not good. If Arenado does 30 hundred, you're not going to hate it. No. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll be okay. What about Lamar? What about Lamette though? You're holding Lamette, and I just well, didn't buy with Justin. Right oh, okay. That's but what I'm wondering. You did. But <laughs> Justin was just saying we did a do not draft segment on my show, and Justin brought up Lamette, the first guy he mentioned, and I respect his opinion. I'm just curious. Uh, you do you feel comfortable still now? It's been almost you know a few uh, weeks. I do. Since a, I actually do a do not draft segment every night, and I do that. With oh, my, really? I do that with my wife. She tells me do not draft. <laughs> really <laughs> i like it with, with the with the met kind of same thing with hot like you mentioned with javier i'm not super hot i i have Lamette, i think ranked in the my pitcher rankings on the low 30s but at that point like his his the value there was i think pretty solid yeah obviously there's risk and you know if michael simeon's listening he's shaking his head and at me because i know he's the he's the biggest lament hater i've ever did see but Ooh. he was my what was it, my my fourth starter and i had three starters already that i feel pretty good about max scherzer i still think there's another couple of good years left in him yeah uh, max freed who I, I like a lot as my number two i want ian anderson in the seventh round as my number three uh who is a guy i really really like this year so I was like all right i was like he, he came off the board at pick 124 i think it was here in, in the ninth round as my sp4 I, i'm okay with that yeah there's a lot of risk but yeah, I'll, I feel okay. I got to take it, you know, have a couple risk shots, you know, every five, you know, every handful of rounds. And he was kind of like my risky pick in that range. Where it's like, all right, I already have three guys that I feel good about. So if he gets injured or this doesn't work out, then it won't be a massive blow to me at this point. Like, I, would I have taken him where his ADP is, which I think is like in the 80s? I wouldn't have. That would have been even before where I got Ian Anderson, which was uh, pick 90 something, I believe. So I want to take him as ADP, but again, this is the value there. He was like the 40, I think I remember looking at the 43rd or 44th starter or something like that off the board. I think that's okay. I think at that point, the potential reward where he could be, you know, a, a very good fantasy SP2 borderline fantasy ace. Like he's proven that he could be, be that good. So I, th- I thought the potential reward outweighed the risk at that point. Fair enough. I've, I've, I've taken him in one draft and I waited late as well like you did like i would yeah so i figured i i, I was really lamenting that no pun intended that pick um if you didn't take lament i was gonna really i was really in the tank and looking into him and doing some research i was listening to his pitching coach but really nothing conclude they don't have anything conclusive yet um but yeah but um anything else about this draft you want to look at we, we looked at the first four rounds and i asked you guys each about a pick um i, I really like a lot of the, the mid-round picks for you michael like you getting Giancarlo Stanton at the end of round 11. So what's that pick? 165. 165. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the dude has a hard time staying on the field. We all know that. But at that point, like he could, it, 
if he stays healthy, that's 50 bombs potentially right there. Like you, you can't get 50 bombs and right. pick, pick, you know, mid one hundreds. That's like ridiculous. So I, I yeah, everybody was giving me shit when it happened. I agree with you. That was exactly my thought process. It's <laughs> worth it at that point. It's not like I took right. him in the top 100. Exactly. Everyone yeah, listening to this podcast right now, all the NPC players are like, these guys are happy about a Denelson Lamette pick and then a Jim fucking just ripping their hair out. They're like, what are these guys? Are these guys on fucking drugs? They're like, they're like, I love your Lamette pick. I love your stand-in pick. They're like, get these guys in some trash with us. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> but it's a, if it's about value. I think that's a reasonable value. That's how yeah. I see it. And I'm going to stand behind it. So thank you. And then Kyle Lewis too. You got Lewis. Yeah, that was I way loved, late. That was I the value in that pick to be beginning, honest. beginning of the 14th. That's crazy. Right. Take what, what 196. I think that that's ridiculous value there. That's but a, why was everybody else passing on him? You yeah. Know, that's why, why. Did, why was I passing on him? I passed on him for Fram. Okay. Is, Samuel Reyes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can see all the, like, all, I like, okay. I don't, I don't have a problem with me passing. <laughs> I'm not going to. And you I'm took gonna, VR. That was your previous pick prior to Lewis, but you had already made. He, he needed, well, actually. He needed a short stop. And Lewis was going top 100 at some, I think early giraffe season around, around 100. Oh, now hey, he, Daniel. How's it going, man? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Nice to talk to you, man. Yeah. So isn't nice that to amazing you. to you, Daniel? Do you think that's pretty crazy that Lewis dropped that far? Yeah. Things like that. It just, I don't know. I, I find it hard to understand how you're drafting with guys who are supposed to be experts and then. At one point in the season, he's around 100, and the next, then a few months later, he's around 200, and nothing's changed, other than you're doing research. I guess recency bias, but I don't know. there's a few players like that, right? Yeah, I'm I think sure I think right after like research is done, uh, people yeah. right in October, and if you look at the NFPC, they have the ADP, and you can click on the player now, and you can see the ADP trends of the, the scatter graph, and you look at. I was looking at Will Smith, the catcher, today. And you look at it, it's like going on a downward slope because he's just, his ADP is just falling and falling. Like he's getting picked earlier and earlier because more people are, it's, it's just getting more well known that like some of the underlying metrics, people just are, are liking him a lot more and people are doing more drafts and they're realizing how catchers go and, and things like that just change the ADP as people practice. Like Rowdy Tellez, I t- totally makes sense because people thought he had a job and then the Jays sign everyone. Now it looks like he might not even get 400 plate appearances, right? But like guys like Kyle Lewis, I just, I don't know. That's something I don't, I don't really understand. I think one, I think one element of it was, there's kind of two elements, I think, kind of combined to drop him a little bit. Is that kind of when people were drafting him early, it was the, the, the glean, the shine from his rookie campaign was still there. So that's kind of, you know, we're further away from the end of the season. So that's kind of worn off a little bit. And then in this particular draft, you know, we were talking about how pitching got pushed up. You probably had, I'm just guessing 15 to 20 pitchers who had an ADP below him get drafted ahead of him in this draft. So that drops him another round, round and a half. So uh, I, I, I think he went super late, but you know, w- with me personally, I just, I've been avoiding outfielders in the middle rounds for the most part. Like I'll usually get one or two early. This, I love a lot of the late round outfielders and you see, I ended up taking, you know, four outfielders between rounds 20 and 25, Mitch Hanniger in the 20th, Kirloff the 21st, David Dahl in the 24th and Sam Hilliard in the 25th. I just like a lot of the late run outfielders. So I wasn't really, really looking outfield there. I probably should have, if I'm being honest, I like what you got uh, Victor Reyes too. I think it's a good pick there as well. I like Victor Reyes kind of everyone's sleeping on him because he's in Detroit. People just kind of look past Detroit right now. He's going to, uh, he's going to play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's going to play. He's going to lead off. He has some speed that hits for average. You know, there's a little bit of everything. So 
Um, but maybe I should, you know, maybe we'll get to this later, but maybe I shouldn't have done that because I already made some outfield purchases prior to that. Or I don't know. That's, that I can see why people would see, yeah, you know, that's not the right call. But I want to give you props too for the Scherzer pick just because people are fearful of him. There's concern that he's not going to be able to keep up and that he's not built for the long haul anymore. And I disagree. I think you still going to get a lot of value out of Scherzer. He's an elite guy. He's a competitor too. And I know he's got bad problems, yada, yada, yada. But Verlander did some amazing stuff at 37, 36 years old. I think Scherzer is built in the same vein. And also Scherzer does not have as many miles on him as you might think. He got a late start in his career. And that's important too. Yeah, he he wasn't one of the guys that came up when he was 20, 21. So yeah, I I think, you know, he'll be, I think, 37 midway through the season. I think maybe if this was a dynasty league or something like that long-term, obviously not. But the fact that for just 2021, I think he's at one more Max Scherzer S season in him. And he's one of the only guys, you know, like we, we put a premium on innings now with how, you know, relievers are being factored in more into real life baseball. And these guys aren't going, the starters aren't going as deep. He's one of those guys that legit could throw 200 innings this year. You, you, how many guys can you say that about that? All right. I think this guy could throw 200 innings, maybe five or six, like Scherzer, what Lance Lynn's a workhorse, maybe Giolito, Garrett Cole. It's like, there's not many that are like, all right, this guy's going to give me innings. You know, it's mostly like, oh, 150, 160. That's kind of like the new benchmark. Like 150 is the new 200, I think. Now uh, that's, 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 I, I think that's the one point. That's the one point that I would tend to agree with Scherzer about is the, he's going to get you the innings. Um, I've been out on him this year, though, just because of other reasons, personally. It's personal. You have a personal beef with him? <laughs> yeah. It's, um, he, he kicked your dog. I know. Yeah. You yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah. I actually no, I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a two eyes thing. It's a two different colored eyes. It's scary. I wouldn't want to be in a batter's box. I, I don't know how well you can see the eyes, but just have, you know, and he's yeah. had, he has that mentality, right? Where he's like, I'm going to rip your face off. Yeah. yeah. Factor in the blue eye and the brown eye. I'm just like, this dude's going to kill me if I hit a home run. Like if I hit a home run, I'm going to keep my head down, just walk around the base. I'll go yeah, look at I don't want to look at that. He'll come at me and just kill me. What's that yeah. called? It's like heterochromia, I think is what it's called. I think so. Yeah, that's yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Nobody cares. Doesn't matter. Well, what does matter is that what he could provide you. And I think there, I think the caveat key is the one more season. I, there is yep. one more grand season left. Now, I'm not saying long term either. This is right. not a keeper league. And and how and I how pitching was going, I wanted, there's like a discernible top 13 for me that I want one of these top 13 to, to lead my rotation. And there was three left Scherzer gallon Kershaw. And I knew there was six picks between me, my second and third round pick. And I'm like, if I, I had to pass on both Bo Bichette and Kyle Tucker, who I love, that was so hard. And they went to George. Um, and then Kyle Tucker went on, on the turn at two, three turns. So they both went, that was tough, but I was like, I didn't want to risk, not getting them like I like Maida, please, you know, please X now. I wasn't sure if I wanted them as my ace. So I was like, I gotta take one of these three. I ended up going with Scherzer because I was like, all right, Kershaw is even riskier, I think, because of the back issues. Even though Kershaw obviously is one of the best pitchers I've ever seen in my lifetime. And then Gallon, who I really love, but I'm like, he's not quite as like, you know, all right, this dude's gonna be an ace for me that Scherzer does. So I think it was like the balance of ceiling floor out of the three i went with scherzer but i just, I just didn't want to lose out on one of those three guys which gallon and kershaw both went um before i came back and i'm i'm assuming scherzer probably would have as well so i, I think i made the right call 
I, I, I just reminded thinking where about where I was. I didn't really want to take a picture. I didn't like. I, I felt like like in a vacuum, their value didn't really reflect where we were taking them. But I took right. I ended up taking Woodruff before you and people yeah, yeah, you, saying you sniped me. I was at, I was looking at Woodruff because he's kind of in that same range to me, and I was looking at Woodruff there. You know, somebody tagged somebody tagged. I, I posted the, the draft board, and somebody tagged the draft board underneath the conversation that people were having about uh, Scherzer. I think it was Rob Silver who said. Like basically, you're like like snorting glue if you're drafting Max Scherzer over Woodruff, and then then somebody they're like people are doing it, they're crazy, and then they put, they posted the board, and I was I was the guy that drafted Scherzer over Woodruff, and whatever, um, I I would take Woodruff over Scherzer. It's like, and you what, did. What is so wrong with Scherzer? Yeah, he's you know had a little bit of injuries, but like everyone's a super down on Scherzer. Yeah, it's the age, but the dude was arguably yeah, he was the guy. Like he was the number one dude, or at least number number one number two guy for many many years was you, said I, said you would have taken woodruff though over scherzer i would have yeah I, if i came down to it they're both i think they're back to back in my rankings i think i would have leaned woodruff um i think i think he's his trajectory is up i love this stuff love the k upside there obviously he's young he's like 26 27 whatever it is so i, I probably would have gone woodruff if i had to make that pick but i, I was i'm still okay taking scherzer there yeah, yeah his free the agent after 2022 He's got two years left. He's got two years left to give it everything he's got. Scherzer, I think he's definitely have the has the upside on the innings. I think Scherzer will throw more innings than Woodruff this year if he st- yeah. if he stays healthy. I'd agree with that. Yeah, and you know Scherzer, like to that mentality, he wants to be. He wants to dominate. I don't think he wants to be one of those guys that's like, you know, four and a half ERA. You know, kind of like Felix Hernandez, kind of flailing out here at the end of his career. He has a ton of miles on his arm. Um, but I don't think Scherzer's going to want to, I think he's going to want to dominate obviously wanting to, and actually doing so are two different things, but I just, he's gonna give it everything he has. Like he's gonna go out with a bang. I think I don't think his K per nine didn't change and his walk per nine either that I don't buy. Sometimes you buy into 2020 stats for certain players and other times you don't. This is a case where I don't buy into what happened at 2020 for Scherzer. I don't. Yeah. That's how I see it. Look at what he was for so many years where the, before 2020, the last time he had an ERA above three was 2014. <laughs> my last was, year with my beloved Tigers. Right. Like, and that was only 3.15. Like, and before that, it was 2.90. So his, he hasn't had an ERA before 2020 above 3.15 since 2012, way back then. So it's just so many. And he was 200 inning guy for like six straight years. 220s, multiple 220s. Yeah. Two, three two, straight 220s. Exactly. And like, He's even 172 in 2019. So I, I, th- I think you said the Cape Rio is still there. So I, I think there's definitely one more, maybe not two, maybe not three, but one more good top 15 pitcher season out of Max Scherzer. But by the end, oh, I got to say this, by the end of, by the end of this year, by the end of 2021, it's going to be, he's going to be 37 years old and it's going to be, a, he's going to be two years removed from 2019 which he was struggling and puffing through the end of it uh with like a 120 whip at the in the second half of 2019 mm-hmm. so he, at that point he'll be two years removed at 37 years old from doing anything elite but the huh? thing, i don't think he needs to be elite to be okay at this pick like if he maybe he's not mid to era 220 inning max Scherzer anymore i think that's fair i don't i don't think, I don't think that anyone's i don't think anyone's really that anymore yeah and i don't think that's coming back but if he can be 
let's say low three ERA, 190 inning with his elite. Like Michael said, the, the K rate has not dropped. Like his, his K rate is, has been the best it's been over the last four seasons. So if anything, it's getting better <laughs> compared to earlier in his career, which was already very good. He's been always been above a K per inning. Now he's even further above a K per inning. So even if he's low three ERA, one, one whip, you know, 180, 190 innings, I think that's with that, with those strikeouts, I think that's still pretty good for where, where I got him. Don't we all agree here that if he's healthy, he's fine, right? Zach, you would agree with that if he's healthy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. and, that, so that's, it's, and that's it just comes down to that, right? It's yeah. just a matter of who knows best about predicting his health. Is it legitimate to take that second half fall down for 2019 and then 2020, which he was injured as well? Are those legitimate permanent concerns, or is a guy going to get healthier at this age too? Or that's a big question. Actually, the way I just said that now, you're Zach, you got me thinking a little bit, I but mean, I still it's, believe it's it's about health partially, but it's also about the range of outcomes that I see for him. I don't see the same range of like, he doesn't have the same range of outcomes. Um, I don't want to say upside. I don't want to use the word upside, but he doesn't have the same range of outcomes he, as he did in 2009, going into 2019 or even. I, I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah. So that's yeah. just, but Eric's but, focusing in on an outcome. He wants, it's not a range. But at the same time, one. Where, you got him, <laughs> where you got him relative to where all the other pitchers, like forget, that you got, forget that you took him at the end of the second round where you got him relative to the other pitchers. Like, like, Maybe you can make a case for Gall- Gallon for sure. Yeah. Like it's close. Like they both have different. They both have different ranges of outcomes. But I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's. I don't like. I, I know I'm sort of shitting on Scherzer, but I don't think it's bad where you got him relative to the rest of the pitchers. Like I think I prefer. Uh, yeah, yeah I prefer absolutely. Him. You you can make a case for Gallon. I don't think I can make a case for Kershaw. I think there's too much risk with that back. And he's. I think they're good. equal. I disagree. I think Scherzer and Kershaw are you know toss yeah, they're, ups. They're, the they're close. And then, and then you get into the range of. Yeah. The Maeda's like the next guys, Maeda, last now, please Zach. I don't think they're on Scherzer's level. I like them. I don't love them. I don't want them as my ace. I would take Scherzer over Maeda. Yep, agreed. Yep. I did sound so I agree. I think he faced <laughs> a lot of soft competition. Um, but he did very well. But anyways, we can we can move on from there. Let's um let's move into a little bit of um uh, prospect questions and uh, just prospects. And I wanted to talk to Eric in particular and Michael as well, but um Eric is the prospect guy and talking about um, where prospects were going in the draft, but we'll ease our way. What have you guys been talking about the whole time? <laughs> oh, you have to, you have to, you have to tune into the first half podcast. A little bit, a little bit this, a little bit of that, you know, I, I guess. Uh, yeah, I will. I can't wait to listen to the beginning of this show. <laughs> talking about you until you, you burst in like Cosmo Kramer. Good. Yeah. Um, do it. But we're going to ease our way into this. I'll, I'll, let's, uh, let's try and um, set this up like uh, Michael Govier and talk uh, like a actual good podcast host here. And we're going to ease our way into the podcast uh, conversation by talking about some post hype, um, post hype breakouts, perhaps Um, some of the players that um, like you've seen Lucas Giolito break out after performing poorly. Um, Can't think of any other examples off the top of my head, but I know there are other ones. Uh, Raphael Devers, I think is another one, but I have a couple names that I'm just going to throw out to everyone. Um, Daniel, I know you're out there listening somewhere too. Um, you can unmute yourself and chime in anytime you want, but I'm going to throw out five names here. Some of them might not have been such high end prospects, but tell me what you tell me your thoughts on uh, what you expect um, from any of them in terms of maybe um, these guys breaking out this year. David Dahl, Alex Reyes, Brennan Rogers, Daniel Ponce de Leon, probably the lowest end guy there, Stephen Matz, and Nick Senzel. 
So I know there's a lot of names to remember there, but which ones? Um, take your pick. Two for me right off the bat. I'll say uh, Senzel and Dahl. I'm down yeah. with both. I love it. Let's party. Yeah, I think out of those two, I like Dahl a little more because I think there's a less, you know, I think there's more playing time potential for David Dahl. I still, you know, Cincinnati outfield is still pretty crowded. So I don't know. You know, I, I like Senzel. I think he's always a very highly touted prospect. You know, could do a little bit of everything without really excelling anywhere. So I'm not totally off of Senzel, but I like Dahl. I, I think that Texas lineup could be pretty fun could be also could be junk too. Like it's a pretty wide range of that, that lineup, but you know, they got Nate Lowe, you know, they get, they got David Dahl. So I, I think that lineup, make Joey Gallo coming back. So that could be a, a fun lineup, but Brendan Rogers, I, he needs a trade at this point. He needs out because he's just so buried in that depth chart where Chris Owings starting was starting over him where he was their dude. Like he was their number one prospect and, and money publications, baseball, America pipeline, and sex, et cetera. He was a top ten prospect. Like this yeah. was seems like, like he's been around forever as like a like looming prospect. Right. This wasn't like their fourth best. Like this was their dude. Right. So the fact that he, you know, and who knows why? You know, maybe there's obviously something they've seen that has caused them not to give him a consistent playing time or a spot. But I think at this point, Rogers needs out. I saw the bat. I, you know, the Colorado's Double A affiliate comes through my neck of the woods in the Eastern Lakes. I saw Rogers a, a handful of times in like 2017, 18 ish. I like the bat. I think the bat is legit. So in Dynasty Leagues, I'd be buying lows. You could probably get him for dirt, dirt cheap at this point. But I think he needs a trade out of, out of town because I don't see him getting that playing time anytime soon. Even out, even after Arenado goes, like I don't think he's gonna get the playing time. Maybe. Maybe it's Hampson. I hope it's Hampson. <laughs> I, know, uh, yeah. I know you do. <laughs> I love Hampson. I'm the one who drafted him in this league, so that's, clearly that's, I'm in. That's true. Yeah, I, I think Rogers needs, needs a trade out. He really does. Well, if, Bren- you're, if, you're lucky, if, we're, if we're lucky, Garrett Hampson and Brennan Rogers will each get 350 plate appearances this year. Yeah, I think mm. over <laughs> under. I think the over under for combined plate appearances for those two, 750. I think that's. I think over 750. You're you're stretching it. Like that's. That's a lot <laughs> for a car. Was like, wasn't he picked like the pick before Alex Bregman in the draft? Like they, they were drafted Ooh. the same year. Rogers back to back. Uh, I got to look at yeah, Bregman was the number two overall pick. I know that. For I sure. think they were a year apart. I think Bregman was no, I'm pretty sure they were the same year. Were that uh, I think I, Rogers, I, Rogers was 2015. I think Bregman was a number two pick. If I recall, I'm he definitely on. was. I know that so for some reason. Bad. I know that by heart all the time. So it was Rogers. I don't know. It was 2015. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, Bregman was two in 2015. Rogers was three. Okay, so I was wrong. He was after. He was after. I said <laughs> look, 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 look at this top five. I don't get off subject, but this top five. No, 2015. Number one was Dancy Swanson. Pretty good pick. He's ended up being a pretty good player. Bregman, great pick. Rogers, wait and see. Number five was Kyle Tucker. Looks like a great pick. Number four, Dylan Tate to the Texas <laughs> Rangers. To be the one that kind of like the uh uh, who was that dude in? Darko Bell? No, no, no. I'm, I'm going over to basketball. The guy that was in the 20, uh, 2003 draft went, oh, Darko Milicic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm from Detroit. I'm very familiar went, with Darko. <laughs> <laughs> went in the middle of LeBron and Bosch and, and coming on Anthony Thanks. and Dwayne Wade. Thanks, Eric. Thank That's you. That's Dylan Tate right there. And then yeah. Ben and Tenney went seventh. That was a good draft. Ben and Tenney went seventh. Power Stevenson 11th. That was a pretty good top of the draft there. Yeah, we'll that see. Was, that was that was that was a the, the best draft in my recent memory. Walker Bueller twenty four, Mike Soroka twenty eight. Ooh, Austin Riley, well, Tristan McKenzie. 
Wow. Look, Brady Singer? Brendan I love Lyle? Brady Singer. Yeah, I'm down for that. Paul DeYoung? Wasn't that, wasn't that when he was drafted out of high school and then he went to college? Oh, that was right. Yeah, and he went to Florida. Yeah, yeah. So he came back in 2018 draft. But yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was just a pretty stacked draft. Ryan Mountcastle. I love Brady Singer. Brady Singer, oh. another guy drafted in this league that I'm down with. Nice draft. Nice pick. Yeah, I Brady love it. Uh, Brady Singer's good. Look at this. Brendan Rodgers is a waste of time right now. I'm lost with him and I have no interest because I just don't know where we are with this dude. Like Eric said, the playing time's a mystery and the, the biggest showing he got in 25 games in 2019 with the Rockies, it was a Awful. 224, 272, 250 slash line. It's garbage. I know it's a small sample size. I understand that. But he's going to be 25 now in August. And we're kind of creeping to a point where it's like, I don't know if he's post. I mean, he's definitely post hype. But I don't know if it's worth your time at this point. When I think guys like Senzel and Dahl, Dahl's going to be left field now. And I think that'll be much easier for him. He doesn't need to have that pressure on the body of playing center field where there's, I think there's more of a risk of injury. And yep. I believe that Dahl is going to be great if he's healthy. I have no doubt that he's an excellent player. It's just a matter of health. And Senzel, I don't have that same passion. I know it's not just the vertigo and shit. It's a concern about show me something a little bit more. I like him a lot. I do. I like the skill set, but I need to have a little more outcome from him for me to be buying in a bit more. But I believe in Dahl's ability wholeheartedly. Right on. So yeah. it's, it's funny how, how diff, it shows how difficult it is to, to project these prospects because you had Rodgers and Bregman going back to back. Like I think people were taking Rodgers over Bregman in, in probably the first year drafts at that point. Um, yeah. Another example here is Steven Matz. I think like I was looking at pipeline, he was rated the number 11 prospect in like 2015 and Snell <laughs> was like number 40 something. And like those, for the, those, I remember, I remember playing fantasy. Those are the two hot commodity left-handed flamethrowers coming up. And I forget who got brought up first. I think Snell got brought up first. And then uh, I went to rush and pick him up. And then Matt's got brought up at rush and pick him up up with a waiver wire. And their careers have just gone totally different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Matt's in AL East now is welcome to hell. I, I have, yeah. I'm not more interested now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm less, less interested. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not going to end up well. He's got pitching. I don't think he's pitching Yankee Stadium, pitching. I'm assuming Toronto will be back in Buffalo this year from the signs of it. So yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? There's so many hitters parks and they, I was like, even Tampa, there's like, everything is either a neutral or hitter friendly park. And Steven Matz in the dead of summer in Camden. Not a good yeah, idea. Yeah. And all these good lineups too. Boston's lineup's very good. The Yankees lineup is stout. You know, Tampa's lineup is meh, you know, but you know, there's a lot of good lineups. He's got to face too. Yeah. I am. I was I was never a Matt's guy. I am even less. I'm like with you, Michael. I'm even less of a Matt's guy now. Bold It'll be thirty in May too. Prediction. Thirty. Wow. Old prediction here. Stephen Matt's is going to give up a six hundred foot home run to Jim Carlos Stanton this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love that. That could happen. That's a. But hey, you know, I he'd be like the Red Sox number three starter right now. So I can't really. Yes. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, actually, I'm 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 warming up to the Red Sox rotation. I hate. Yeah. I, last, Isn't Zach, going to you're last very pro Hawk, aren't you? Sorry. Are you pro Hawk? You're pro. You're pro yeah. Tanner Hawk, aren't you? Yeah. I, I all my all my um actually all my Bruce Willis picks have gone down the, the drain because I know I, I in uh, a lot of drafts I was ba- I went back to back um um Hudson the closer the the closer on the um Dance? on the on the Washington Nationals. What's his name? Daniel, I drafted him in this. So many picks. I went Daniel Hudson, uh, Tanner Hawk. So I had a lot of a lots of Hudson Hawk. You know the movie, Bruce Willis movie? Of course. Yeah, so that, that's what I always saw. I nice saw, work, dude. I always saw a lot of Hudson Hawk in my draft boards. And man, that those those back-to-back picks have gone to shit because 
Brad, Brad Hand is now in Washington, and uh, they just had a bunch of signings. They brought back Martin Perez, and they brought uh, and Garrett yeah. Richards. So Hawk is really uh, Hawk a loogie at this point. <laughs> uh, no, oh, I took I took Daniel Hudson in the 22nd round of this draft, and then Brad Hand got signed uh, about 10 days later. So yeah, talk to my talk to my 10 shares of Daniel Hudson. Because I'm still not ruling it out though. Just because Brad Hand signed doesn't mean he's going to be good. He had a he's at a velocity dip, so yeah, he's he's like no lie. I still like Brad Hand. I think he's still going to be effective at a lower velocity. He's shown he could be, but yeah, he's no like stud lock like he was two three years ago. Right. I was really down on him. Ending 2019, he was not pitching well. Remember that? Like there was a big talk about hands not going to be the guy who can close the deal for the Indians in 2019 in the playoffs. And and then going into 2020, he kind of showed this little bit of a resurgence in a smaller sample size. So I'm not so sure that Daniel Hudson can still, he could still be the dude here. And he had blow ups galore last year. Like Daniel Hudson would either get a save or he'd give up four runs and save opportunities. (laughs) So that's a little bit concerning, but if he could limit the home runs, I'm optimistic. His whip whip wasn't terrible last year. He had a bad ERA, but um, they stuck with him. And he yeah, was he's right. give too many long balls. That was the thing. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah they I remember his game against Baltimore. He was a World Series. He was a closer in the World Series two years ago. Last year, he had a bad ERA. He was giving up some home runs. But, um, like, going into this year, I was I was on him because Tanner Tanner Rainey was getting drafted ahead of him. But they they yeah. stopped. They were sticking with um, Daniel Hudson all through 2019 over, over and above Doolittle. So yeah. they, they loved him to be the closer, even though maybe he didn't say he needed to be. What's this Tanner Rainey hype? I, I don't want anything to do with that. But back to the prospects in there. In the end, that's how I see those five guys you mentioned. I love Alex Reyes, but it's a mystery. You never know what's the usage here. Oh, yeah. And of course, the health. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He, he he's still very talented. This stuff is electric. He, he, he yeah. Could, he could. And uh, look, he could be in that mix for saves. They don't have like that one guy. Now they have Hicks back. Uh, Gallegos, Hicks. So, uh, I think it's gonna be Carlos uh, Martinez, maybe. Yeah, there's gonna be like a, a no. Few. Martinez gonna start now. Yeah, he's gonna start. Confident in that, I think. There's gonna be a few guys. I think Reyes at least is in that discussion. I don't know how he follows in the pecking order, but the stuff is electric. Like you've seen when when he's on, he like when he when he came back and re, was rehabbing in the minors, like 2018 it was now. He had like three hits in 23 innings or something like that. Like with like 48 k. Like it was. He is filthy. But it's just everything else. Trust me, I remember every moment of his career because I've always been there picking him up off the waiver wire or holding (laughs) on to him too long, (laughs) waiting for him to get healthy, and just never giving you anything. If there's going to be an innings pitch issues in 2021, which there is, this is the perfect guy to be like this, this, not a swing guy, but like this hybrid of like, hey, we're going to fill innings gaps with this guy to make sure we limit our innings pitch for all of our pitchers. Alex Reyes could fit that perfectly, like three innings a game. That'd be awesome. Yeah, you can if you if you could do like the Josh Hader role without the saves, and he was like yeah, I'd be you know, yeah. pitching prospect at one point. Oh, because yeah. he's that filthy. <laughs> he is. Yeah. We all agree. It's just like he's and how old is he now? Is he twenty six ish? I don't know exactly how old he is at this point, but I'll look him up. It's tough to. Dan, Daniel, tough to do, uh, do you have any uh, thoughts on these five guys that I have brought up? He's twenty six. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of like Michael. I've I've been so frustrated by Reyes that um, but I'm I'm, I'm out now. Uh, me personally i like senzel like he it, when was it 2018 when he was a top 10 prospect like that's really not that long ago he, yeah. he's shown he's shown what he can do all um, the i think all of the guys that i've mentioned have had injury concerns maybe not so much matt but 
like Rogers, Sinzel, Dahl, Reyes, those are all, they're all, all these post hype guys are just need to overcome their injuries. Well, yeah. at least they at least need to overcome the injuries and then perhaps more. And I, yeah. I think, I think the thing with, with Senzel, I think maybe we we're over, it's easy to say now, but I think maybe we were overvaluing him when he was a prospect. I could say the same about Carter Keboom, where he was being kind of like a top 25 prospect. When you look back, like, why were we ranking him that high? Like there's, not a lot of speed there, solid hit tool, solid power. Not the one or like elite, he's not gonna be a 35 home run guy or hit 300. So, like, why are we ranking him that high? That I was guilty of that as well. So, I think with Senzel, I think if you kind of change what you think the expectations are, where he could be so like a nice solid, like you get 15 to 18 homers, 15 to 18 steals, solid enough average. I think you could be happy. Just don't expect, like, all right, he was a number, you know, top 10 overall prospect. Maybe to kind of get that thought out of your head with Senzel and just look at, yeah. look at what, what the player is now, where he could be a, just a solid across the board guy that kind of helps you out and doesn't hurt you anywhere. I think, I think that's fair to say with Senzel if he gets that playing time this year. Yeah, I feel, I feel like he has the least, he has the least amount of prospect fatigue yeah. where he has, he like, he, he hasn't been anything special, but Reyes keeps on screwing us over and Dahl keeps on screwing us over. <laughs> yeah. Like and look, look with Alex Reyes <laughs> when I was pulling up his baseball reference page. So he made his debut back in 2016 and has now only pitched 72 and two thirds innings in his career. 46 of those were in 2016. Then he missed 2017 due to injury. And then he's, he's only pitched four, three and 19 and two thirds the last th- three seasons. So that just shows the, the frustration that is Alex Reyes. <laughs> I, I think, I, am I correct? In, oh, sorry. sorry Zach. Go ahead. Go ahead, Daniel. Please. Uh, um, I was going to say, I think, I think Dal and Senzel are both around ADP. Like 260, correct me if I'm wrong. I was listening to Jeff Zimmerman talk about. I think Dahl's, Dahl. I think Dahl's lower than that. Yeah, Senzel's Dahl's in the 300s, but Senzel's right there. Okay. Senzel's like 275 ish, and Dahl is about like 320. Yeah, so he's, he's, oh, about yeah, like, okay. he's like 40 or so picks better than. Uh, so it's great value. Dahl's value time now, officially, in my opinion, Dahl is in the value zone if there's such a thing. The value zone? Yeah. yeah. So you guys mentioned, you mentioned that, you mentioned that uh, Dahl's <laughs> going to be starting out. I think. And Senzel's not even. Does Senzel even have a starting job in roster resource? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't. I think he's on. If, if they're if they're facing a right-handed hitter, I don't think he's on the starting line. Yeah, but yeah I don't. I, I don't, I don't see how you can take him. Right how can you take, more how can you take Senzel that early? If he's on starting? Uh, a Kenny Loggins parody, Michael. Oh, oh, the value zone. Hell yes, dude. Great call. I'm gonna write that down. Can we do that. Great one? call. <laughs> Consider it done. Okay, I I, I already did. I have, I have, as, soon, as soon as we mentioned it, I considered it finished. I, yeah, see, right. I wasn't thinking like you were thinking, but uh, that's why we're doing this, putting two heads together. But I want to say real quick, Eric's point needs to be boosted up and it should be retweeted out. Yes, we overvalued Senzel. The, the prospect hype got too big. He's not this elite guy. He's not Ronald Acuna. You know, he's not some stud who's going to give you all of these categories. He can seal some bags and he can give you a bit of home runs. Eric, I think that was very, very – I'm so impressed by it because I need to absorb it because I've got Senzel fever at times and yep. I need to, I need a prescription for that because it's we, not good for me. <laughs> we, 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 everybody's guilty of it. Like you look at the other day when it was MLB or whoever would put out the tweet about uh, Jason Dominguez being the youngest player in their top 100 prospects. And they said, put, put the, the, uh, the comps. It was Mickey uh, Mike Trout, Mickey Mantle and Bo Jackson. I'm like, can we, can we calm the, down yeah. here yeah. We're, we're comparing him to the best player in the on the planet right now or the and then two hall of famers who are two of the best hitters of all time 
like, can we? And he's 17. Like, that's the thing. Like, th- these comps that get thrown out there are ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, so Senzel will just keep the expectations in check. And for this year, yeah, I was looking at the depth chart. Like, they have Cassiano, so he's going to be an everyday guy. Winker, then they also have Winker and Shogo Akayama. So, like, maybe there's like a, you know, those three kind of weave in. So maybe he gets like, you know, 450 plate appearances in that range where I think he still provides some value. But I, I don't know. I probably wouldn't be going at him. I'd rather have Dahl. And I actually got Dahl in this draft. So I, well, I forget. Oh, was probably, you go. Yeah. Smart so man. I got Dahl in the 24th round. So I got ah, him. That's holy. like pick three, what, uh, 360 or so, close to 360. I got him. So I, think, I, I love that value on Dahl. Man. I want to make a comment on that. I, in that round, I took an outfielder as well. I took Adam Eaton to start that round, and I could have had David Dahl, and I'm, I wanted David Dahl. Adam, but... Adam Eaton's not a bad pick. Like he's like so underrated because he's like the, maybe one of the most boring players around. But the dude will just you know good average, a little bit of speed, a little bit of pop, scores a ton of runs. Probably his hitting somewhat high in that White Sox lineup. Probably so. That's what it came down to, Eric. That's a, that's when a I was thinking lineup. Yeah, Dahl versus Eaton. You can get some steals, you get some pop, uh, you get an average. I just thought the lineup was better. So that was the determining factor. I yeah. think that was pretty much it. Because they both get hurt, too. They're both injury right. risks. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you could say, like, Dahl maybe has the higher ceiling, but Eaton's yeah, oh, yeah. higher floor guy. And, yeah, yeah. like, it well, looks Eaton's like, 32. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but Eaton looks like he's a hit second and you know, behind Tim Anderson and in front of Grandal, Abreu, oh. Jimenez, Moncada, Robert. It's like that's just, he's just scored a ton of runs if he gets a healthy. Exactly. That he's being undervalued in the sense of, I mean, we're not getting on Adam Eaton rent here, but that's two spot in a super lineup is a great place to be in. And yeah. that's oh, good yeah, value down that far. Rent. We can, we can get one. Like, I can oh, get, well, yeah. I, I think we've, <laughs> again, it's the value zone. Gonna take a ride. To the value zone oh. with Adam Eaton. We're doing That's amazing it. already. Is, is Adam Eaton going to be part of this uh, value zone? I think he has to be now. Can we make, we a, can we make a video with like Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer? Um, <laughs> Post COVID, there's no videos until COVID's over. Okay, my, my bad, my bad. Um, so I, w- I want to get into something that's sort of bef- while we're on the, t- uh, the prospect topic, I want to tie it in a little bit to the NFBC because I've been noticing myself um, in certain drafts grabbing more than one rookie catcher so at time because they they are um good value at times especially early in the draft season so sam huff tyler stevenson kirk on the jays and then to a lesser extent jeffers i think people are more confident he's going to be up but i found myself grabbing like tyler stevenson and, and sam and i've had drafts where i've had tyler stevenson kirk and then huff as my backup so now as we get closer to the season i'm getting a little bit more nervous and thinking to myself, I could be without a starting catcher um, um, <laughs> going into these leagues. Eric, um, what are your thoughts on like when they're going to be get, when, when they're coming up? And would you be confident? Say like I'm looking at one of my drafts. I think I have Tyler Stevenson, Huff, and I think I did back him up with Barnhart one time. But um, in at least one or two of these drafts, I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, it's kind of interesting this year that there's so many rookie catchers. We had a lot come up last year. And in this league, uh, I didn't play the catcher uh, market right in this league. I ended up with uh, Mitch Garver. And then I, and my second catcher is Joey Bart, another one of those rookie catchers that right. is, is not going to be up on opening day. So well, I forgot to mention him. Yeah, but like I was looking at that point, I was like, all right, at this point, any catcher I'm going to draft is 
probably a sock. Like <laughs> you're talking <laughs> like like the dreads of the catching pool at that yep. point in time, like the 33rd catcher up the board. So I was like, all right, wh- why do I want to take one of these assets that's gonna suck and maybe hurt my team with a bad average or whatever it may be, bad OBP? Well, it's like, all right, I'll just take Joey Bart and you know, Buster Posey's back, but are we like really 100% sure that Buster Posey's going to play a full season? I love the guy. He's, you know, very good. You know, he's been I a very good so. player. But is it, I don't think he's a lock. So, and I, well, I was kind of banking on the, the DH being there in the, in the NL. It's that kind of hurt me. But um, yeah, I, th- I still think Bart has a chance to come out and make midseason. That's for the other guys. Jeffers looks like he's at least going to be a, kind of like a timeshare with Mitch Garver. So we'll see. You know, yep. Huff, you know, maybe in the same thing down in, in Texas. So Kirk was a guy I love, though. Kirk. That dude can hit. Like he's yeah. a little bowling ball. I, I, I call him a little bowling ball because he's like five nine, two sixty. But that dude can freaking rake, man. He d- doesn't strike out. Like he's one of those guys where the hit tool is there, doesn't strike out a lot. I think his K rate is like around ten percent in the minor leagues, which is crazy for a catcher or anybody yeah. in general. But the guy's you know looks like he could be like a two eighty to three hundred hitter, a little bit of power. He's like a big power guy, maybe fifteen or so. But I was loving him. It's just if he's going to be in that pretty good Toronto lineup, hitting like, you know, six or seventh. But now it's kind of maybe he's in timeshare with Jansen, who will always have a spot because Jansen is very good defensively, even if he's not the same caliber bat that Alejandro Kirk is. But I was all over Kirk. I was getting him everywhere because his ADP was like post 300. Like he could be a top, like even my, my uh, Fantrax Toolshed co host, Chris Clegg, made a bold claim that he could be a top five catcher this year. Which I don't think was too crazy. I think if everything clicked right, he could have been. If he hit for average, hit, hit for a little bit of power. But yeah, there's, there's wow. a lot of rookie catches this year. It's it's really crazy. But do, do you oh. know what? He, I I like that prediction because even if he doesn't get full time playing time, yeah, the the Jays the Jays uh, batting order is a little bit more crowded now. But all he really needs is forty percent of the catching time, and then he's not he's, he's one of the catchers. If he's already a plus in batting average for a catcher, and yep. if he's going to get you some home runs and some some counting stats, he could be he could be a very serviceable catcher in these two catcher leagues, like even, even with no path to DH playing time. Well, I'm in one dynasty league, one dynasty league right now. And I, it started last year because Gator Sosa on Twitter, Jake started it and George is in it. George Montanez is also in this dynasty oh, nice. league. And I think you would be impressed, Eric. Uh, I got Alejandro Kirk, Joey Bart, Adley Rushman, And uh, those are pretty good catchers. I would think so. Corner yeah, the dynasty catcher mark. Hey, you get you get the you get the top two yeah. catching prospects in baseball right there, right? And Kirk is blown up. I drafted yeah. him, Kirk, on a whim, and because the league started last year, so we started everything from the beginning. And Kirk wow. was kind of I remember seeing Kirk in again. I do these things that quality start really helped me, man, because I would be digging through video for hours, and I saw Kirk at a practice at the Rogers Center, which is where they didn't even end up playing. They got to go back to the Rogers Center right before the season started to practice, and then Canada kicked him out. And I was like, what was this Kirk guy? And he was killing the ball. And I took a flyer on him. And now he's who he is right now. Yeah. You, you, got, you, got, you got some trade leverage there where you can deal one of those guys for, you know, a pretty good price. So you're, you're yeah, looking hey, good. People been dro- yeah, people were going crazy trying to contact me nonstop about Kirk. And I just didn't know what to do with him yet. And one other thing I got to mention, because you talked about him on Twitter yesterday, was I also have Anderson Espinosa on that squad. So I'm very excited. There you go. Now's the, now's the time to buy with him. Yeah. So take in- offers. Switching gear from catcher to pitcher. Um, and the, all of these players are relevant deep in these draft and hold leagues. And I can list five of these pitchers on Tampa Bay. 
Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry, Zach. I'm sorry. I want to say one thing about the catchers. Okay. And that's John L's catchers. What's going on here? You got four (laughs) catchers. And John L's a very, very intelligent man. Johnny Stud. It's a Johnny Stud. He's as good as they come, but he's got four catchers on his squad. And it starts with Pedro Severino, Andrew Knizner. Yeah. Knizner. I think it's uh, Nisner. Nisner, thank you. Andrew yeah. Nisner. And then he closes it out with Grayson Griner and my Tigers and Alex Avila with his last pick. That's it. That seems like he's smarter than I am, but does that seem like a he's just giving up on catchers? Is he punting catcher or am I his last two are definitely giving up ish? I, I, I kind of <laughs> forgot Alex Avila was still like a baseball player. Yeah, well, he just got <laughs> signed to a I think it was a minor league deal. <laughs> yeah. with the like, Nats? Like, like yeah, the Nats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grayson Griner's a tiger. Grayson Griner could start. Like he's is it Alex Avila, the, the GM for the Tigers? Al Avila, his father. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Many years. Anyways, I just want to mention that. No, no disrespect to John. I love John, but I am I just wanted to get their thoughts on this. It seems kind of strange. And he, knows he knows more about this shit than I do. He knows he, he knows he whiffed on catcher here. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right, good. He, Continue. He Sorry. He, Go ahead. I think he, I think he's well aware. Um I don't know. He's hoping that um, Yadi Yadi Molina signs with the Blue Jays because I heard a rumor of that um, today. What? Okay. Yeah, doesn't make, that that doesn't really there, make buddy. any sense. They don't need him. They have. Yeah. They already have Danny <laughs> Jansen. They have Alejandro. They have Reese McGuire as at least a serviceable backup. So like, they don't need yeah. Yadi Molina like, at all. He got caught masturbating in a truck. So everybody <laughs> wants him on his team. Yeah. <laughs> you remember the? Uh, oh, was it she- Shelly? Very straight made like a uh, something to do with like a Reese's Pieces joke after that i forget how she worded it but it was yeah. hilarious it was like everyone's everyone's making jokes about it after that happened but something to do with reese's like nobody wants to see reese's pieces or something like that it was just, it was hilarious oh, oh reese's pieces yeah okay. yeah okay it was uh, that happened that happened before this season and when he went to play um i don't know if it was an exhibition game or if it was a real game in one of the one of the away parks you know they have the walk-up songs you guys have probably heard this and if you haven't it's hilarious oh yeah they uh, played beat it by michael jackson as yep. his <laughs> That was, I think, that was in Atlanta. I want to say, yeah, I think that sounds right. But yeah, I remember that. That, that was hilarious. Like whoever's running like that, the part, whatever department that is, give them a raise. That was that was a plus stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you were saying Zach, something about pitching. Come on, doing that. That's kind of. <laughs> if I were him, I would be like, yeah, yeah, you got me. What, what can you say? He, I think he has a sense of humor about it. Yeah, well. I hope so. I actually watched the, the video um, of him in the, like the police car after when he got arrested. It was pretty, I think it was, he was like, he was like, can, can we just like forget about this? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Switching gears to pitching Rays. They got Joe Ryan, Brendan McKay, Brent Honeywell, another injured player, McClanahan, oh, Petit, Luis Patino. They got five guys there. And it's not a burger joint. There's five guys um, <laughs> in, the, in the Tampa Bay Rays um, minor league slash farm alternate site type deal. I don't know if there's going to be minor league, but like, what the, I don't even know what to do with these guys at all. Well, what do you mean you don't know what to do with them? I don't know. Like in, in these drafting holes, I don't know whether to draft them, where to draft them. If I am, I have no idea. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm asking for your help. Here's the thing with with Tampa Bay Arms. I have a very different strategy compared to redraft and dynasty. Dynasty, I'm all for it. You know, you, there's so much pitching talent and depth in this org. You mentioned them like Patino, 
Shane McClanahan. They just oh, got Baz. They just got you know Shane Boz. Uh, ah, sorry. Yeah, Shane Boz. He, he's he's super high upside. I talked. I interviewed him on Five Tool about God almost a year ago. This was like last April. Uh, nice. he, he, he's super high upside. Very very smart guy. Obviously, uh, they just got Cole Wilcox uh, from uh, San Diego with Luis Patino. They just drafted Nick Bisco, who's a high upside. He's way far away, but high upside guy. They still got Honeywell, McKay. So in Dynasty, I'm all for it. I, I believe in what they do, their player development. They've pumped out pitching prospect after pitching prospect. It's productive at the major league level. So I'm all for it in Dynasty Leagues. I'll stock up on Tampa Bay arms all day. Joe Ryan is, is slept on. I, I think he gets slept on because – all the other arms in the system where if you put Joe Ryan in like Boston system or at pitching one, that's not as pitching rich as Tampa is, he gets a lot more pub. I, I truly believe that, but in redraft, no, no way. We've seen how they, how they go about things and they already have a bunch of guys at the major league level that are already, it's already crowded enough, even after getting rid of Blake Snell. So I, I'm, I love Patino. I'm not going after Patino this year. I'm not going after McKay this year or McClanahan or any of them, unless it's super late. I said, I'll go after anybody if the value is right, but I don't know. Redraft leagues, Tampa Bay arms, the young ones are they're tricky. I would, All right, let's fo- Sorry, go ahead. Ahead. I was going to ask what point would you go after them in these 50 round leagues? Like say Joe Ryan, would you take a shot at him? Because like, if you, like, you're right. If he was on the Red Sox, I'd be considering him like alongside like a Logan Gilbert, honestly. Yeah, uh, because well, just because of the opportunities. What were you going to say, Daniel? Oh, oh I said, wow. You mentioned Logan Gilbert because <laughs> I know, I know how Dave, uh, Dave McDonald and Jake are. They, they were saying that he could have a ADP inside the top 200 in spring training if he looks really good and Paul's are first coming back. That's a little bit, um, that's a little bit um, optimistic, I think. But that inside, I think they're just saying like it's a, it's a, it's a possibility that. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm big before good. before um when when Dave tweeted when Dave first tweeted about um. Um, Logan Gilbert, I DM'd him and I'm like, why'd you have to do that? Because I was grabbing him everywhere. I was taking like, oh. a, I, he's like one of my most owned players. But now, but now I'm even letting him go a little bit. It's not all, I don't want him all the time because, like, I've learned my lesson with prospects. Um, How damn time, Zach. Oh, and then Jeff, and then Jeff Zimmerman also, he said, oh, oh, oh my wife just told me to shut up. So I'm going to go. So. Oh, hi, um, wife. No. Um, let me know if I should just move myself because I'm all outside and it's noisy. But um, Jeff Zimmerman was saying how he wouldn't even take uh, Gilbert oh, in the top like 600. Zimmerman. Your wife Pardon doesn't me? like Jeff Zimmerman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I was making a joke, but uh, okay. Um, oh, yeah. that was a good no, joke. Top, it's fine. Oh, no, I was going to make another joke, but then I was like, I don't want to insult Jeff Zimmerman. But, um, no, yeah, he so shouldn't do that. that. He's feisty. Jeff was, saying, Jeff was saying he wouldn't even touch him in the top 600. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what Jeff said. I apologize so I mean, it was quoted but he doesn't know who i am so but yeah Good. To, to hear like oh it's just like such huge differing of opinions like could be top 200 and then and then jeff saying i would i would not touch him in the top 600 right now um just i, mean, I don't know it's all right well, look yeah, jeff's let's very parse this out. averse in these drafts he's, he's, he's yes. on record saying that yeah that's clear let's parse some of this out here so honeywell is the great white whale, the great white buffalo, the mystery, you know, the he's so oozing with this talent, supposedly, but the injuries have destroyed his career. You know, the screwball, the stories about that back in the day. You know, I don't know where we stand with Honeywell. I was really excited about him like four years ago. Four, I mean, a long time ago. 
but that time has passed. So I'm putting Honeywell to the side because I don't even know where we stand. I need to see some action from him first before I can make any kind of judgments on a reality for him. Great. But McKay and Patino are two guys that are in play in redraft leagues. Now, McKay's shoulder really bummed me out because when McKay came up in 2018, 19, 19, 19 yeah Um, yeah we came up for the 50 innings in 19 i really liked what i saw and i know that he's not an overpowering guy but he's got good command right oh and yeah mckay's profile it's it's really good but yeah he's not overpowering absolutely yeah so i but i that's fine he's a guy who could really give you a good whip rate you know if you're looking for that and he can give you some innings if he's healthy but i don't know where that stands either so i've been avoiding mckay in all drafts despite my excitement for him in 2019 and then patino i think I'm going to start bumping him up and get more aggressive on him in redress because the Rays do know what they're doing. And I feel like they're going to unlock something in him in this season. Now, I don't have a lot to support that other than the fact that he's really talented beyond what we already know about his talent and what the race could do with pitchers. And I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be a starter, a reliever. I don't know the role, but I know they're going to find a role for him. And I think you could expect, I, I, I'm thinking we can expect 75 innings pitched for him minimum in this season, That's 75 fair. to 100 yeah. to start there. So what, what are, and I what think are, they'll be what good. What are the K's and Patino's ADPs? Like, I, like when I when I listen to this kind of analysis, it's great, but it's like, what what are their ADPs and where are you comfortable taking them? Patino is 470 ish. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he's, really he's, big, so. yeah, he's super. Like, I would take I would take Patino over McKay Pridd, like. Okay, 639 639 and that's since uh by the way at that at that point that's fine uh, like michael alluded to they're both very talented pitchers mckay i hate to use kyle hendricks as every kind of boring but good pitcher comp but he could be a kyle hendricks type where he's just you know pumping out really good ratios for a long time he's got a good four pitch mix fast curve change of cutter all of which are you know above average offerings or at least average. And you mentioned the, the command and control profile is very good with him. So he's yeah. at a high floor. Tino, not so much a high floor, but he's at the higher ceiling. He's at a really, really good fastball slider mix. But yeah, I trust, like I, I echo, <laughs> I trust Hippa Bay. You know, there's, yeah, right. there's, there's orgs who right. trust that they know what they're doing. And when they acquire a guy, all right, what what do they see? They, they see something. They won't be giving up Blake Snell, you know, without you know getting a patino back so they they must be very high on him as i am as well so yeah i'd be you know 400 something i'm fine with that i see yeah, him I and reyes similar with guys I, I fell in love with mckay when uh nick pollock was when, when he when mckay was dominating his first few his first few starts i think it was 2019 yeah and the nick 50 innings, was, was, the legendary nick pollock innings. was loving was loving every part of it and he was saying like mckay over gallon i mean obviously he, he didn't was this one on the shot in the park, but I fell in love with McKay and that upside. And then he just well, sold shoulder injury, just destroyed him. Labrum shoulder. That's total buzzkill, but that's going to be very, very fraught with uh, like Zach likes to say a range of outcomes, a wide range of outcomes here. And I got to tell you, Zach, I think that, thank you. I think Reyes and Patino actually fit a profile and I'm kind of developing this on the fly here while we're talking. I, if there can be a role that, People are going to have to get creative with again. This like three inning dude, some type of some type of innings pitch reducer that helps fill a gap. And he doesn't necessarily he's not a starter. He's not a closer. He's not a long reliever. It's I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be. But these guys are also dealing with an unprecedented season. I'm talking about MLB front office people and all the managers and coaches. They're also dealing with this. This is new to them. It's not like they have experience 
coming off a shortened 60 game season themselves. So I think we got to be expecting a lot of creativity and new things that maybe we haven't seen before. And I don't have any proof of that, of course, but it's just a thought. I got a question for you guys in a redraft league. Who would you rather have Shane McClanahan or David price? David price. You can't say Shane McClanahan. Well, have you heard of the bat? Have you heard of the bat projections? Yes, our buddy Derek Hardy. Derek Hardy. Yeah. calculator on Fangraphs. He's not my buddy, actually. I don't really know him, but I do know who he is. So, hello, Derek. You're out there listening. <laughs> they are. They, they have the same auction dollar projection on the. Uh, I mean, if David Price doesn't play, then they might. So dude, <laughs> I love that. Zach. I, mean, I love Price that. Doesn't play. Yeah. I have McClanahan on a team of mine that I love. It's a bad example. McClanahan, McClanahan has a projection for an, he's projected for an under four ERA, 80 mm-hmm. innings pitched, five wins, a str- more than a strikeout an inning, and his auction value is higher than um, David Price. Or it's the same. It's the same as David. I love Price. it. Just I love a little, it. Little little food for thought there. I mean, I, I love think it. it. I think it could happen. I think McClanahan's a very talented arm, but. I think just David Price is just more guaranteed for innings, assuming he wants to play. That's obviously like like Daniel mentioned that kind of factors into it, but you don't you never know what's going on with David Price. But yeah, he's he's a very solid arm, so he's very safe floor with David Price. Uh, I like it. I like it, Zach. I like where you're going with that. Where, where's Shane? Where's Shane? What's Shane's ADP? Because you do bring up a good oh, point. Mm, if not the, the other team projections, the ADP is like three. It is. Well, you got to uh, trust these projections. These projections six, are sometimes kind of wacky. Yeah, it's six six thirty eight for McClanahan. Again, wow. he's in the. So that's, uh, what, is that like a four hundred eight sixty four hundred seventy difference in ADP? That's, yeah. So yeah. McClanahan's being taken. Bu- so put it in perspective. McClanahan's being taken behind like Chad Cool, uh, Kevin Plawecki, Darwin Zon Hernandez, which I don't get. Oh, I love me some Darwin Zon. Oh, I do too. If, if you could locate anything. Um, would be great. Oh, <laughs> yeah, if he could learn some command from Brendan McKay, that'd be oh, sweet. I know, right? I, I saw Darwin's on. He, he was in he was in Double A Portland, which is twenty minutes from my house. Sea dogs. I was like, yeah, sea dogs. I was like, dude, this guy's filthy, but he has no idea where it's going. Like, <laughs> it's, it could be, it could be coming at your head, you know, for all you know. So, yeah, uh, he really is the wild thing. That's awesome. Oh, he is absolutely he is. <laughs> the thing with these projections are that you have to also know when to play them. So like these projections yep. are across the whole season. It's going to be very difficult to determine when to play McClanahan and who to play him over. So yeah. exactly. You, 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 don't, you don't know what the role is, when he's going to be, you know, pitching, you know, where he's going to be the start of the year. It's, it's all kind of up in the air. Cause yeah. you mentioned there's so many guys down there in Tampa Bay. We don't, we still know. Okay. Isn't this new, question, new question for you? New question for you. This is the same, same idea. This is gonna blow your fucking mind. So you'll know you know the answer already. Redraft league. We're looking now. We're looking at Ariel Cohen's um, ATC projections. Had him on the show this week. Right. Learned a lot from him. Smart dude. Tell me who would you rather have in a redraft league? Andrew Heaney or Brent Honeywell? <gasps> well, boy. Well, I mean, you know, Brent Honeywell's gonna join the same Price damn thing you just that and, uh, Eric just uh, described. <laughs> He, the he, same thing Eric just described. I, I don't feel good about Heaney, though. <laughs> well, okay, you don't fine. feel good about it, but you talk about a role. So this is yeah. the premise I was trying to bring up when you started this next premise, is that what is the advantage of drafting earlier? Because there's risk, because you don't know roles and where players are going to be. 
but yep. you could also benefit if things go your way. But how can you know exactly. that for sure where a guy's going to sign and what his role is going to be? How's it going to be carved out? Right, exactly. Brent Honeywell is also has the same auction value under Ariel Cohen's, like using the Fangraphs auction calculator with mm-hmm. his five by five league. Jameson Tyon and Brent Honeywell Jr. have the same projected auction value. That's wow. crazy. That's, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. But I think Zach, what, what you're doing, like the, I think that's one of the most underrated um, fancy analysts. Like from my, for like what I prefer is like, tell me, ask me these questions, David Price or Shane McClellan. It's, it sounds ridiculous, but then you bring up their, you bring up the bad X, you bring up the bat and the projections and then you show me their 580p spots apart. It tells you that. That's just, it's, sorry. Pardon me? No, I, I was going to say, it tells you two things. On the surface, it tells you that these players might, they might be closer together than you think, but it also yeah, yeah. tells you that, that the projections are a projection system that are independent. It's independent of itself. They're not, it's not yeah. designed to be used in like your NFBC league. You have to massage it to make it work for it because there's, there's things that there's things that it doesn't factor in for your specific league. So those are, those are two things you really need to, to, to realize. And quite honestly, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I haven't mastered it by any means yet. So it's just, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out as we're speaking. That's the thing, dude. That's this talk about the value zone. Honeywell and McClanahan <laughs> providing the value that is 400 value picks, 500 zone. picks later. I mean, that's that's it. Well, the thing is, you got to you got to look at these projections and decide what's real and what's not. They have like ATC Ariel Cohen has um, Honeywell projected at 69 innings with nice. um, and one. He's one, never pitched a moment in the major leagues yet. K an inning. He hasn't pitched since like 2017. Right? Five wins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you're right, Daniel. You're right. The, the, Daniel the, last time, point. the last time Honeywell pitched, nobody listening knew me. That's, that was like my <laughs> that, was, that was my first year of fandom. Nobody listening knew who I was. The last time Honeywell pitched, like that's funny. Like, that's a good. That, one. that was that was the that was almost back to the the Obama administration for. Christmas. <laughs> We're, we're going Twelve thousand followers ago, Eric. He, he, he went to he went to a whole presidential term without pitching, pretty much. Been so That's long. Great. Same thing with like Jay Groom from my Red Sox. Last time he pitched was 2016. Like Obama was in office the last time Jay Groom <laughs> pitched in a minor league game, which is ridiculous to think Crazy. about. All right, are we, are we gone too long yet or no? I gotta go soon, but yeah, I'm just letting you know. Okay. Well, see ya. Shit, it is 120. <laughs> I know. First to I'm the last to arrive and first to leave. What a dick, right? <laughs> All right. Do you want to have one more one more question? Sure. Of course. All right. I'm going to pick it. I have a couple more, but I'm going to cut it down to one, this one last question. And by the way, Eric, I was listening to you on your podcast with Chris and you guys were talking about, I'll skip over this one, but Balazovic and, and, and Joan Duran on the twins, you guys were going back and forth. One of you had, um, one of you had one guy and one of you had the other guy. I forgot. I forget who picked who. Um, Jordan. Who did, who did you have? Who did you pick? I, I went, I went Balazovic just because I think he has the higher K upside. I, yeah, I think Duran. Yeah. Chris is, Chris is a big Duran guy. So yeah. He went Duran, but yeah, I think I want Blazers because I think he has a, a better strikeout potential. I, I, uh, I agree with you. I, I like. I'm, I've been drafting Balala. Balazovic. He's a Canadian Canadian boy too. Um, yeah, yeah. My girlfriend's Canadian. I've drafted him in a couple of these draft and hold leagues, but then I'm like, I'm trying to steer away from the playoffs. But anyways, um, my point is actually, um, if you draft um, Jaron Duran and uh, Joan Duran on your team, you can name your team name Duran Duran. Absolutely. Um, anyways, um, so I just wanted to touch quickly on that. But my question is still on the Twins. This is my last question for you. Um, Brett Rooker over Trevor Larnock for a redraft league. 
Yes or no? No. Um, no. It's because I it's it's close. I think long term it's definitely Trevor Larnick. I think he is just as good as Alex Karloff. It doesn't get nearly the same amount of publicity as Alex Karloff. But they're both big boys, right? Yeah. I, I love Trevor Larnick. He's super underrated. Even though, even though he's a top 50 prospect everywhere, I think he's kind of like Brendan Marsh, where he doesn't get the, the love he deserves because he's been overshadowed by Royce Lewis and Alex Kirilov. But I, I do think Larnick's up this year. I, I think Rooker, I think he's just going to fall into like that kind of bench power bat. I think that's actually what he projects as, you know, long term. It's like, all right, he's going to be the guy he could start for you. A couple guys go on the, you know, on the IL that he could step in, hit some dingers. But I just don't think he's a starter long term, especially with all the other. Like we've talked about, you know, on my podcast, Minnesota's drafts has they have a ton of these corner outfield first baseman <laughs> types. They just have to Aaron Sabato out of North Carolina in the first round. He's a mashing first baseman, and they also have Matthew Walner, who's a pretty good corner outfield prospect Can't for them. Get enough, huh? Yeah, they just have that. They have that a lot of these like corner outfield types is kind of clogging up. So I think Rooker falls out of kind of down the depth chart to a, a bench guy. Maybe he gets traded. Who knows? But but what about the fact that he's – is it mattered that he's three years older than Larnock? Or is that just – I mean, not he was, more he was experience. But he didn't hurt I know he was. He hit his first home run last year. but And, and he, he actually performed fairly well. But I, I think, you know, Kirilov has already kind of jumped over him. You know, and them bringing back Nelson Cruz, I think, hurts Rooker more than it hurts Kirilov. Because, you know, Kirilov is the better, far superior hitter. And so same with Larnick. So I think – Kirilov blocks Rooker now, and then Larnick when he's ready mid-season. I think he, then he vaults over him as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's getting uh, he's getting sandwiched. Yeah, I, I think the, the Nelson Cruz signing really really hurt Brenton. Devastator. I mean, why why wait this long? Was it because the NHL NHL <laughs> was it because the NLDH never came to fruition? Is that what I, I think? Cruz I think that's what not hope. I I really do. Yeah, I think that's definitely. Even though I think he wasn't like opposed to going back to Minnesota, but I, I think he was just kind of leaving his options as open as he could. Cause like you mentioned, we, we all kind of thought that was like, all right, there's probably going to be a DH. Like we were all kind of like, you were like, yeah, maybe it's like 60, 40. Yes. To, to the DH. Um, then obviously that, that went the other, the other way, but yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause after that kind of broke like, all right, now the Nelson Cruz market, like bum, it picked up and bummy's back in Minnesota pretty quickly. Right. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think you're totally right about that. We really were locked in on this DH, but we didn't realize how fucking angry and bitter the players are, and they are not going to budge in anything, which is good um, news for us. It actually gives us a certainty about a guaranteed full season, at least according to the plan. So, But, but is, is this the last full season we get until the strike? <laughs> this is what I talked about with uh, Matt and the guys at Rotofanatic. You know, we started Rotofanatic last year, and I'm like, oh, great. We're going to start our website, and then we're going to have this massive lockout strike that's going to happen in 2021, and then no one will care about baseball anymore. <laughs> I did. Right. That crossed my mind. It did. Oh, yeah. it, it's crossed my mind, too. You know, the fact that, you know, Chris and I started, you know, the, the Prospect podcast. I'm like, all right, there was no minor league season in 2020. Who knows what 2021 looks like for minor league baseball? Yep. Then they get the looming potential strike. It's like it's gonna be kind of weird. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a weird exactly. Time. It's a very weird time, obviously for the entire world, but for baseball and in, uh, in general, it's very kind of weird times. We don't know what's on the horizon. Yeah, yeah more, getting into more, the more analyst game for baseball. This is weird. What's yes. That? Yeah. More, yeah. The most important thing. This is weird for baseball. If you can yeah. take it, it is. COVID. <laughs> baseball yeah. got weird. 
Baseball it has got gotten weird. <laughs> 60 game season. Yeah, it's it's odd. Yeah, yeah it's, it's Bozo Fest, man. Total Bozo Fest to the max. We have I got into this last year, so I'm terrible time to get in. They have the most weird season ever, and now we're trying to analyze the most bizarre season as we head into a full season, supposedly. So right. I think this is the norm, but it's not. So yeah, it's like with, with five tool. We already had that in the works. We started, we started planning that in like January, February. And I brought on Jake Devereaux. I met uh, Jesse Roche down at First Pitch Florida. I brought him on. We're like, all right, we're planning this. All of a sudden, boom, COVID. We're like, yeah. do we still start this? We're like, we already had, you know, <laughs> we already had you know, the plans working. So I'm like, all right, let's just do it, see how it goes. And and we started our first episode was like oh, two weeks after the COVID like, ramped up. It was late March. We started it. It was weird. Like, we'd, it's like our first was it 40 episodes. We've, we're 45 episodes in now. And we only seven of those are during actual MLB season. It's kind of weird. It's weird. It is. Everything's weird. <laughs> I agree. It is. But you know, it's not weird. This podcast, Zach Waxman is the best in the business. This guy knows his shit and he's very open-minded. He's willing to put himself out there, take chances, take risks. But in the end, he's going to win you money. So don't forget. Draft Champions Podcast 2021 all season long. Boys, I should I shouldn't have talked through that because ah! because I should I, I should just have you send I should have you send uh, send us off out of, out of every podcast because you are so good at it. Do we, have, do we have anything else to touch on before we go? We never even introduced um MJ Govier at MJ Govier on Twitter. That's that's me. That's right. Thank you very much, Zach. And uh, Aircross04. There you go. You got it. This is a strange debut. Strange debut for me on this podcast, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I'm glad I got to get on here when I did, and uh, I'll look forward to coming back and on. Anytime you want to talk, Zach, you know, uh, I know you talked to a lot of big, you know, heavy hitters like Mike the Mouth and shit. Uh, you had Greg Jewett. That was really cool, man. That guy knows closers. In fact, you kind of reminded me that he really knows closers as well as anybody. I had forgotten about it for a minute, so that's He's why I'm glad guy, you right? did that. Yeah. He's like the closer. He is the closer. Yes. He's, he's Alec Baldwin and Glenn Glary. Yeah, exactly. He's always closing dude. Oh, always. Right, let me see. I, I think he was actually with fan tracks like way back when I started there. I think he was there for a bit. I feel yeah, but def- definitely he knows the stuff for sure. I remember that. Yep. Now you definitely helped me out with some, uh, some names to, to be, uh, to be on the radar for. And you know, I got to meet Daniel. Daniel. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Daniel, nice to meet you too. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I don't know, I, I don't I know how s- I went so long without without discovering you. I- <laughs> I'm just some bozo no. out there on the internet. Actually, you, you want you should he's, try, he's trying to say where have you been all my life? Yes. <laughs> Very you are you are hilarious. You are hilarious. <laughs> I hope, hope, hope Zach, you ought to make his intro the new intro. We're 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 we're, we're making a uh, theme song. Yeah, That's it will be done better. this weekend. I'm locking. No in pressure on when, but we're, it's gonna it's gonna be happening. The more suspense, the better. And we're going to, it's going to be it's gonna anything be. you want me to say on audio tape, just send it to me, Zach, <laughs> and I'll, I'll say it. I'm not kidding. Daniel, same thing. If something you want me to send, like a, you know, you want to send an audio telegram to a friend, I'll do it for you. If no I ever figure out how to make a voicemail, I will, I will let you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plus me and Eric Cross are partners in the upcoming tag team league that uh, we got to sign up for still, Eric, you and I, we, uh, yes. we got some work to do. So I'll be I interested would- to see how we work together because I like you. You're great. And I respect you, but I bet we'll probably, you know, we might butt heads on some players here and there. Yeah, and I've never done a co-ownership, so right, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be fun. Yeah, so we get different strategies, different perspective on things, but I think we'll, we'll put our heads together. We'll, I think we'll come up, we'll, we'll come out all right. 
That's cool. We'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe on maybe yeah. on the fly, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> well, I, w- I wish you guys luck. Um, Govier, I think we should, you know how uh, Dip Yetro has like the, the robot segment on his podcast? Yes. But um, Phil do so. Maybe we should do a, a segment where you send me clips and I play them during the show. <laughs> sure, man. Hey, I don't know what you want to do. Like I said, think of something. I serve at your pleasure. I do. Some, something to do with cooking chicken or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm due. I got to make some more chicken. You're right. It's yeah, nice in the video me. when you can just hear it sizzling. <laughs> like, I'm due. I'm due for some more chicken, though. I've been switching to steak recently. It's not a sizzling. So. Steak, is, steak is delicious, too. It is. It is. I'm on a carnivore. I'm trying to change yeah. my life, but it's a failure every day. Don't worry. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, this has been fun, man. It's nice meeting yeah, Dan. Nice off. getting send to talk to everybody. So it's off been again. a real pleasure. I gotta say, thank you to Zach Waxman. Thank you to Eric Cross. Thank you to Daniel S. This has been a real pleasure. We've learned a lot. We've gained some knowledge. We've grown as human beings, and in the end, we're better <laughs> off because of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Have a blessed night.